And we are live. All right. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Worldwide Wednesday podcast. I'm your host, Sovereign. And I'm Shiny. And um, we got some bigger segments today, probably a little bit lesser in quantity today, but we'll definitely make up for it because we've got a lot to talk about today. Yeah. So, um, which media segment do you want to start off with first? Well, let's start with uh, Dragon Ball, without a doubt. Yes, so the newest chapter of Dragon Ball Super came out, Dragon Ball Super Chapter 86, called an all-out bout. And I will say this much, thank God that fight is over. Yep, it has been eight months since the beginning of the fight against gas, and it has finally ended, and uh, I liked it. I liked how the fight ended. See, I was just feeling the mental stress of being in the same plot point for like two-thirds of a year, and uh, I don't know about that. (laughs) I really feel that this arc suffers from the fact that... um, I feel this arc suffers a lot from the fact that it's monthly. Yeah. Because I feel that, like most manga... This will look better when read in a volume format. As I feel a lot of manga fans forget that manga are written for the volume format in mind. They are not written with its weekly release in mind. So when structured on a week or month basis, frustrating in a lot of aspects. But when read back as a whole, it looks a lot better. I don't know if I particularly agree with that. Because, mind you, back in the weekly releases of the Dragon Ball manga, they put their um, their cliffhangers at the end of each weekly chapter. Whereas with this, we get cliffhangers at the end of every monthly chapter, which means we get more cliffhangers in in Dragon Ball but with a lot less coming in Super. But the thing is that I'll say is that even back then, Dragon Ball was written with the volume format in mind. Uh, I think where I'm getting at is that it was a lot more, like, the pacing was a lot better. Oh, no, it's better in a weekly format. I'm just saying, in general, that the stigma with this arc really hurts because it's a monthly format but when read in volume format will transition a lot better i just don't know if i agree with the sentiment that it's always written with the monthly or with the volume format they all are they all are because of how they are it's because of how their contracts are and how weekly shonen jump and shueisha work every manga is written with volume format in mind because volumes is the true metric of how they gauge success of mangas to determine whether they want mangas to continue it's through volume sales so every manga is written with a volume format in mind yeah i just i noticed the pacing issue or the pacing differences between the two formats so yeah. that's where, just where i'm coming from with my perspective yeah for me it's i definitely see the differences between like the original dragon ball manga and dragon ball super and upon rereading super in volume format it's a lot better than when i read it monthly and it flows a lot better like the original dragon ball did and this is something i've noticed for every 
manga that I've read. When I reread chapters of One Piece, they flow a lot better when I read them in volume format versus reading them weekly. Same thing with Kingdom, Naruto, My Hero, Black Clover. All of these series flow better in volumes because usually how they structure it, because almost all the mangaka know which chapters are going to start and end a volume. And so they structure it so that the volumes work. So when you read the volume at the beginning, it feels like a natural beginning and the end of the volume feels like a natural end. But that doesn't work with a weekly or monthly release schedule because you're waiting in that time period and so it feels longer and the story feels more dragged out than it actually is. Yeah. I, because, I guess I see where you're going, but I feel like the yeah. like this problem could have been amended drastically if it was weekly rather than monthly. Yeah, but see, that's another problem. That's completely out of their control because yeah. mangas are released in magazines in Japan. They are not released on their own. They're all released as part of a magazine. And the magazines come out weekly or monthly, meaning they have no control over what to do. This has actually been a huge issue for the Pokemon Adventures manga. And that's why, for example, the Black and White 2 arc took over 10 years to finish. And that's because of the fact that they didn't have a magazine to put the manga in, meaning they couldn't progress the story. So... It's kind of something that I really can't fault mangaka for because it is the fault. It's it's a constraint of the medium. Yeah. You like it can't. I can't change. Like Toyotaro can't change the fact that he's doing monthly because the the magazine that they have a deal with to release this in is a monthly magazine because the weekly magazine is full and these other mangas have contracts and deals that. Want them in there weekly, yeah. So, it, I kind of, I kind of have to divorce that aspect away from my enjoyment of these chapters because I know that it's a constraint of the medium that the story cannot change. There's nothing about the story that can be changed because of the way the medium is set up. Yeah. So, I kind of just have to be like, well. I'll wait for the volumes to come out because then it's better. Like yeah. when I reread the Tournament of Power arc, I hated it still because I just didn't like how Toyotaro did it. But I will say it was better upon reread than it was when I initially read it as it came out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both iterations of the Tournament of Power were, let's face it, poorly paced. Yeah, but upon rewatch and reread, they do flow a bit better. I will say anime don't have to deal with similar constraints as manga, as anime don't necessarily get made with the Blu-rays in mind. Yeah. Like, they get made with the Blu-rays in mind in terms of touching things up, but not in terms of how they pace and structure the episodes themselves. Those are not made with Blu-rays in mind, unlike how manga are. Yeah, exactly. So I do think this arc will be a lot better when reread because I've seen I've seen a lot of people talk about the Moro arc recently and how upon reading the Moro arc in um in the volumes that the arc is actually significantly better than they remembered. 
Yeah. Because I think yeah. Because again, my biggest problem is the fact that and I've stated this for weeks on end or months on end actually, that the ratio of plot to fights in this arc is very, very distracting. It's very lopsided. Like this arc has been very fight heavy, which I guess the best arc I could compare to in terms of volume of fight to story would be the android entire android saga like from the beginning of when i would say from when future trunks arrives to the cell games it's actually a lot of fighting i remember i watched this all as dragon ball z kai and then i've read the manga of it and yeah, lots of the dialogue I realized were anime only, and that it's actually just non-stop fighting for a good while. Yeah. Like, it's almost like every other chapter is, like, just more fights and less dialogue than I remember. I actually see the comparison that you're making here, because let's take the fight between Seventeen and Piccolo. That just escalates and escalates until Cell comes in. Exactly. And then Sixteen comes in, and then just... And, and then Vegeta comes in. And then, and the, then the perfect cell. Like, that fight is a massive just... Imagine that fight being released monthly. Dear God, you start with Piccolo versus 17, and then what? The amount of chapters that came out in that time was, like, what? 16? Yeah. Like, that's around, like, a little over, like... That's, like, a year and a half worth of chapters. Of just nothing but fighting with next to no dialogue. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like people would be losing their fucking minds if the Cell arc got released monthly. In this fashion. Yeah, no, that would have definitely hampered it. Because again, the the uh, Dragon Ball definitely benefited a lot more from a weekly as compared to a monthly release. And the fact of how tightly that fight was paced just shows. Yeah. It really does. And so I compare this arc a lot to... Because that but, this whole yeah. fight that we've gone through for the past eight months can be compared from if from you, 17... Or not 17 versus Piccolo up until we get to... Trunks versus Trunks Cell. Trunks versus Cell. Yeah. Because, let's face it, they're the fights are structured pretty much exactly the same, but the pacing is so drastically different from yeah. between the two. If anything, I would say, potentially, you could even put... The beginning of the granola fight into that actually because the transition from the the transition from the granola fight to the gas fight is very short oh no that's what i'm that's what i mean because you start with you start with was it goku or vegeta who fought granola first goku it was goku okay yeah you take that whole fight and you escalate between stages because you go you go goku and granola then then uh vegeta and granola and then Go you know, back to Goku and go back to Goku, and then inevitably Gas comes in, and then those three switch fighting between him and it's and it's, it just keeps going, and then you have Bardock versus Gas in the flashback, and it keeps going and going and going, and it's so much fighting. Honestly, like I don't know if in retrospect I'm going to look on this arc fondly. I think I will, just but, because I am, like it's 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 a okay. I, it's much better than the manga iteration of the Tournament of Power yeah. by a long shot. But this is going to be like it's a it's an acceptable arc. I will say 
I could it, another arc that's comparable to this would be the manga version of the Future Trunks arc. Okay. Because that arc in the manga also had a lot of fighting. Because at least in the anime version of the Future Trunks arc, there were at least breaks between the fights where you would have character development, where like Goku and Vegeta would go train, Trunks would go talk to Gohan, Trunks would talk to Trunks, like there would be scenes with Mai, there'd be scenes with the refugees, like it was, and there were several episodes that kind of broke it up, but the manga version cuts a lot of that shit out. It's just, Trunks shows up, and when he shows up, it's downtime, but as soon as they go back to the past, fight! How many times did they end up going back to the past in the manga? I think it's only two compared to the three in the anime. Oh god, because yeah, the going back to the, the um, pa- or going back to the past three times really, oh that messes up that that saga so much. Yeah, and also remember in the manga we didn't have the first Goku Black versus Goku fight where Goku Black goes to the past. That's right. We didn't have that. While in the anime there are so many fights in that saga. Like, you start with Goku Black versus Goku in the past. You have Goku and Trunks. Then you have Vegeta versus Goku Black in the future. Then you have Goku and Trunks versus Goku Black and Zamasu. Then Vegeta jumps back in. And then they go back to the past. Then they do some training. Then they go forward to the future. Then they have another set of fights going on. Then Goku and Vegeta go back to the past. But Trunks stays in the future. And he fights them more. And then Goku and Vegeta come back to the future again. And then they fight them more. And then there's Vegito. And then there's the post-Vegito fight. It's just fighting and fighting and fighting and fighting. Yeah. That arc had a lot of fighting in the anime. Like, that, the, the battle against Zamasu was long. Yeah. It was long! Well, at that point, we could tell that this was going to be the final fight. This was going to be the climax, considering, like, oh yeah, now he's transformed. Now he's re- now he's resorting to his last resort option. Yeah, like, we knew it would be the final fight when the fusion happened. Yeah. Because the second time they went to the future, it was kind of unsure if it would be the final fight. Because even when Trump's transformed, Just... we did, no one thought he was going to win. Yeah, and then that brings up another problem I have. Like, now the fight is over, but now I'm just... It's very ambiguous. Okay, where are we on the... As far as the plot line for this arc? Are, are we fin- are we close to finishing the arc? Is there going to be another half that I gotta sit through? I don't know, and it's left extremely ambiguous. So I think the seeds for what is really the main conflict... Well, like, like let me, let me okay, word go. it a little better. Okay, go. Because... Let's face it, this arc is not over. We probably have a yeah. few more months left. But based on the impression that I'm left with at the end of the chapter, I don't know where we are. So I think, based off of the seeds of what I've noticed, is that the Heaters are a family, and they're very family-minded. But of them, Alex seems the most detached from his family. Like, the most willing to use them as pawns. And I believe that the main conflict that we have moving forward is Oil and Maki realizing that Alex sacrificed Gas for the sake of his own plans, and that they no longer want part of that. Yeah, 
And do we even get an explanation? Because remember, we theorized like hell last month as to like like what the wish could have been. Like remember, I theorized that um, he was taking his own life power to power himself up, which we, we believe he. Which, which we we believe that to be the case, but yeah. There's no indication to verify that or any other, like, thing. Yeah. Like, the fight ends, they leave, and that's kind of it. The other thing is also, we still don't know what questions were asked to Zuno. We, we brought own... this up last week, or last month, and the month before. Where, where... Because we need to know, like... Like, it's those loose ends that were like, okay, yeah, we probably have, like, another year of this arc to go. Because, but, like... But, like... Where do we go from here? Like, because when we were in the Moro arc, like there was some loose ends. They were like, "Where did the Supreme Kai go? Why did they bring up Ub in this Hell, in this like, arc?" The but one... then they tied it up in the final fight. Like for like half of the arc, the one thing hanging over your head is like, "Oh, what wishes did Moro make?" And it paid off really well. And then the other mystery was, "What is Merus?" Because yeah. that was another one. What we're here, we've only got like I I brought up how like I was curious what those things are because those or what the questions were because those seemed very like integral to the plot. Yeah. Whereas here, I'm not convinced the plot cares. So I think the plot will handle it just because I I just I I feel like every arc Toyotaro has done, he's never left dangling questions. That's like the one thing he's always been made sure to clear up with every arc is that there are no questions about what anything where things went. Like you know what happened to everything. Um I still have questions about seven three. <laughs> but that's not but that's not the moral arc leaving questions open. That's the granola arc opening a question. Oh yeah, we also have yeah, just just to continue off of that, we still have 7-3. We don't know what's going on there. So I genuinely believe that. So we know that 7-3's purpose in Elect's plans was to steal his data and his memory banks to find Zuno. We know that's why he used 7-3. The main question about 7-3 is what did they do to him afterwards? Did they leave him? Is he on the ship or did they kill him? I think he's still on the ship. And I think we will find out the answer when we find out with the questions. If anything, hear me out on this. So you know how Zuno always asks for something? Yeah. So we know he definitely asked Maki some perverted shit. Because this is Dragon Ball. And it's Zuno. Do you think he asked for 7-3 to be his new bodyguard? Because remember, both manga and anime show that criminals do try to go and intimidate Zuno. Even this arc reminds us that criminals try to intimidate Zuno when you look at 7-3's memory banks. Yeah. So you think maybe he just asked for 7-3 to be his bodyguard? I don't know. I feel like that would be a Toyotaro thing to do. Yeah. Again, my... So most of my mind goes to like again I can't believe the fact that like I just I'm not happy with how this chapter left everything just because it's like it's good to leave things ambiguous for the future 
but not to the point where like okay where does the arc go from here yeah. well i think the i think one thing that i think a lot of us are doing which is a mistake is that we are viewing the end of the fight to be the end of the arc oh which no tr- no here's the problem is that like no i don't believe this is the end of the arc i've said yeah. this multiple times but the problem is is that i don't think that the way that the chapter ends it it's Again, I, I will say this multiple times because I believe that this is the fault of the chapter. It's not clear where we're going from here. So it's it, you, where do we go? Is this the end of the chapter? Are we at the midpoint? Are, I think, we... well, well, I think we, well, I, well, I told you where I think it's going. It's that oil and Maki are going to find out about gas. Cause well, this is, this just... has been a, because that's been a plot thread throughout the whole thing is that Elec has been pushing gas much to the fact that Oil and Maki think he's going too far. This has been repeated pretty much every chapter. Yeah, well, it's... To the I, point... I, I, will, I will say this, at the very least. I think that this, this chapter just lacks a gripping cliffhanger. Yeah, well... I, th- I, think, that's, I think that's where this, is com- this whole sentiment yeah. across the community is coming from. Because, let's just face it, like, remember last chapter, we got a really gripping cliffhanger with what's... What's this? What's his oh, new power? What he's grown super old. What's going on? Like that. Let's face it. That was a pretty decent cliffhanger to a, yeah to a, a decent chapter. But this one ends with the big bad defeated, but the arc not ending. Yeah. So it's and, and I'm very headstrong on this opinion. This this chapter did not have a good ending. Yeah. I wonder, it's, I it's wonder a, if it's because we're so used to the fact that in Dragon Ball, arcs end when the villain is defeated. And this is probably one of the first arcs ever since, like, the original Dragon Ball, where the arc didn't end with the defeat of the main villain. Again, I'm, and I'm going to say this over and over and over again, this, this cliffhanger was, or this chapter just lacked a gripping cliffhanger like all other chapters do that we're used to. Yeah, and that's that's why I feel everyone is so confused, or as to whether or not this is the end or not. And I share the sentiment as well, as far as my interpretation from this chapter. I do believe, like I said, we're gonna get another year out of this arc, probably. No, I don't think we're gonna get another year. I think we're only gonna get like four months. You think so? Four or five months. I'm willing to say half a year. Wait, wait, wait. How many? Wait, we're in the seventh month. They're twelve months. Yeah, four or five months. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll go ahead and adjust that to say that, uh, half a year then. Yeah. But the issue is that this this ending doesn't lead to anywhere. Like, again, like I said at the beginning of the segment, uh, Dragon Ball thrives off of the cliffhangers, especially in the weekly releases that we get that help the pacing be so tight. Yeah. Whereas here, Gas vanishes. Yeah. Well, and, he doesn't vanish. He's just unconscious. Or... You know what I mean. The, the villains leave, effectively ending the fight. Well, they're not. They didn't leave. They're there. It's just the fight is over. Yeah. They're all standing in the same place with Gas just unconscious in a bunch of trees because, you know, he fell from orbit. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not like they're gone. So it, it, so the conflict is still there. It's just where is the conflict going to go? And that's that's my biggest problem is that. It's left up in the open and not in a satisfying way. Well, part of me wonders, though, like, like, I kind of think about it like this, is that, I mean, do you think they would have let the heaters go? Like, all things considered, 
things are not over. Oh, of course. Yeah. That, that, was so, never, that was never my argument. No, no, I know. So I'm like, I mean, is it reasonable to assume, though, that this would, that this, that defeating Gasp would have just ended things to begin with? No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that, oh, Gas is defeated, this is the end of you. End of the whole conflict as a whole? No, I do not believe that. Yeah, because I felt some people felt that, and I was kind of like, well, I mean, we always knew that the main villain was Alec. It was just that this is one of the first times where the main villain isn't the strongest fighter. Yeah. The main villain is the puppet master, and the strongest fighter is his puppet. Yeah, it's kind of like the Broly movie. Yeah, was, I was I was about <laughs> kind of like the Broly. I was movie. gonna say the Broly movie is like the only <laughs> other one where the main villain wasn't the strongest one. But mind you, the difference being is that in the Broly movie, Frieza still would have given Goku and Vegeta a run for their money in the fight. Yeah, versus Alec, where I'm, we're not we're pretty confident that Alec is not strong enough to challenge them. Versus Frieza, where if Frieza invaded Earth on his own, it still would have been trouble. Yeah. Um. But. Again, I just feel like like the response that you're seeing is really just an element of like again i i just I just hate this ending it it wasn't like it's not terrible, it's just very it it doesn't feel like an ending, yeah, this is one of those things that just. We'll just look better in retrospect when it, you read it. Again, we're we're nitpicking a twelve-page chapter. We're we're not we're not judging the chapter as a whole. We have a lot more to scrutinize here because we're looking at a smaller element. So we're going to take into account chapter endings when yeah. it comes to like this monthly release. Whereas when we read the volume as a whole, we won't be at liberty to nitpick. Oh, how does this chapter end? Because it the doesn't pace? matter. It really doesn't. Yeah, like. It's like, it's the difference of doing, like, episodic review versus um, series review. Yeah. You really don't care how an episode ends unless it's really important. Like, think, but back, I, think back to the Stone Ocean release. People don't look at it episode by episode because the whole first uh, twelve episodes, 10 or 12 episodes dropped at once, so everyone reviewed it as a whole. And you only care about the ending, as in, like, the last episode of the season. Of the half of the season. Yeah. That's because... the only ending you really care about. Yeah. Whereas here, this is it, we're, of... we're stuck with it. Yeah. We're stuck with it the, the way we judge it. And ultimately, I feel this chapter is hampered down by the length of the arc and the ending. Yeah. Which, once again, I feel will be very much rectified when released in volume format. Yeah. Because I guarantee you, when released in volume format, this chapter is going to be sandwiched between like a bunch of other chapters that you're going to be like, well, that's the end of gas. Next chapter. Right. Yeah. We're doing something next. And then it, it flows so much better. Yeah. Yeah. So again, we, in reality, because of the fact that we were, are reviewing a chapter at a time, it, it's the, when we look at, at the whole chapter or the whole saga in retrospect, these criticisms will feel like nothing. Yeah. But I, I, I do want to say, it's very funny that I brought up Stone Ocean as my example, considering how badly the pacing of that show is going to be looked on in retrospect, yeah. considering it's going to, the next 10 to 12 episodes are going to be released vaguely in fall when the first 12 episodes were released back in December. Jesus, 
been that long? Yes, it has. Jesus. Yeah, no. Worst decision ever made. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. When Stone Ocean first re when Stone Ocean first was released, this fight was starting. Oh my god. <laughs> when Stone Ocean was released, the gas fight had just begun. What the fuck? <laughs> oh my god. Oh. Oh god. Anyways, um one part of that I want to talk about is so a lot of people are okay, well, I I won't say a lot of people. Vegeta fanboys are complaining that Vegeta didn't get the win. To which I'm like, oh my god. Why on earth would he ever get the win in this arc? See, as a Vegeta fanboy myself, I don't care. We got good moments from him earlier in the arc. Please let him have let him have that from earlier in the chapter. Because let's face it, who again in this arc is getting the best characterization of anybody? It's Vegeta. It's Vegeta. Y'all need to stop complaining. They're literally, like... literally, the past two arcs have been dedicated to reforming his character. Exactly. Like, yeah, he doesn't win the big fight, but he gets the big emotional payoffs. But also, this is the Granola the Survivor arc. Come on, people! Like, like the future Trunks arc... The, the, person, the person that got the final blow is the one that got the arc named after them. Huh. And I'm happy that Granola got the final blow. I'm happy about it. And I also like that the attack that he used to defeat Gas is the same attack he used when he was going to do the, um, the, the suicide versus Vegeta. Yeah. Also, um... Susano Goku has returned, which <laughs> was amazing. I was not expecting it to return. So here's one complaint that I've had with the most recent outings with Dragon Ball, is that a lot of the things that we're seeing, and the Tournament of Power is extremely guilty of this, is that a lot of new things that pop up don't come back. Where is Super Saiyan Blue Evolution? <laughs> Oh, no, Super Saiyan Blue Evolution's been used throughout this entire and the last arc. I I'm mostly referring to, like, the manga, because where was it in the Broly movie? Oh, well, the Broly movie is an entirely different beast handled by a different... The Broly movie makes sense why it's not there. That was just... But I'm, I'm happy... That I bring that up because... Yeah. That problem is avoided here, and I'm happy that... Well, the manga has been using Blue Evolution ever since the Morawark. It's very weird, because remember back in, like, remember back when the anime and manga were coinciding and they actually, like, split the blue forms? Like, they had Super Saiyan Blue perfected, meanwhile Goku was doing Kaioken times 20 on, on the other end? Yeah. Like, the differences between the manga and the anime have been so weird when it comes to utilizing Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah, but Vegeta did get blue evolution in both the manga and the anime. Okay. And in the full color version, if you read the full color version of the Moro arc and the beginning of this arc, he is using Blue Evolution. He has been using Blue Evolution. The real thing is he's just not been using Blue. He's just been going from base to Super Saiyan to Blue Evolution. He has yeah. not even touched Super Saiyan Blue. Yeah. Again, that's this is mostly an anime complaint, so to see this... Uh, being avoided in the manga. Yeah, Susano Goku came back, which was really good. And also, I really liked the teamwork of it all. 
where Vegeta distracts Ghast, and then Goku grabs Ghast, realizing that the planet will get destroyed. But Granola, who is still, you know, he, he got his eyes blasted out, so he can't really see all that well. He has to use Oatmeal, who has been his aim assistant from the beginning of the arc, to actually help him get the shot off. Let's face it, if this was the end of the arc, and like I said, I'm not convinced it is, but if it was, that would have been time to blast the OP. What? Blast the opening. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes, I thought for some reason I was like, OP, did you mean blast oatmeal? What did oatmeal do to deserve that? <laughs> no, no, yes, yes, no. yes. That would be the time to be blasting the opening. Yes. For sure. Because that, in all honesty, when this is animated, yeah, I feel like that scene will be reminiscent of when Goku, Frieza, and Seventeen fought Jiren. In yeah. terms of how desperate it felt, where it's like they're low on energy, they don't like they need to beat him. He's weakened. They can beat him, but they gotta work together. Yeah, also, because let's face it, I will say the biggest highlight of this, like even though my opinions on this chapter are more negative than anything, my favorite moment was of course uh, oatmeal hope helping granola to aim properly because yes. that, that, that was it was a really creative. It was thing really good. I also liked how Gas fought for one. Um, the Tim stomp <laughs> when he literally <laughs> stomped in Goku's chest with a pair of Tims he was <laughs> insane. He, he was he was done with his he was done with his constructed weapons. He realized the true no. weapon all along was the drip. Wait, wait, what do you mean? This is the evolution of the constructs. He realized that, wait a minute, the only construct I need is the drip. <laughs> the drip is the construct. And so he smashed Goku's chest in with fucking oversized Tims. Like, can you imagine a geriatric old man fucking falls from the skies with oversized Tims and pushes your chest in? Because that's what happened to Goku. <laughs> he literally got his shit rocked by an old man wearing tips. But all jokes aside, I really did like how that was an evolution of Gas's constructs because it makes sense. His old body is way too frail to physically fight them head on. But his constructs aren't. Yeah. They're strong enough to handle it. Because I noticed throughout the fight... He never physically engages Goku with his actual like like hand to hand or skin. He uses he uses telekinesis to try and break his neck. He uses a key tornado to try and kill him, and then he uses key constructs and key blasts. But he can never touch him because when Goku kicked him, despite being weaker, his body is so degenerated that he can't even handle a kick. Like, that straight up, the kick to his chest straight up burned him. Which, I will say, gave me a lot of Legends Palpatine vibes when he said that my power is no longer constricted to my flesh. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, please don't remind, please don't tell me of better iterations of post, uh, episode six Palpatine, please. <laughs> <laughs> Please. <sighs> but anyways, <laughs> anyways, it reminded me of that because it's really cool. And part of me does wonder, 
do you think it's possible that gas will come back like how Zamasu came back in the anime? Oh god, I hope not. A being of key? Oh god. No, I, I hope not. I don't... See, I'm of two minds. Because Goku says that his power and spirit are completely out of sync. Which reminds me a lot of how Sagato died. Because his power was so much higher than his body could actually handle that he straight up just died fighting Goku because he had too much power. So the, it, I was like, damn, that's just like how Saganbo went down. But Gas didn't seem to be in as much pain as Saganbo was when he was overflown with power. Gas seemed that he can still control the power, while Saganbo lost his mind and then just died. Like a mental shit. He literally had a mental shutdown straight out of fucking Persona. That's how Saganbo dies, but Gas didn't. So part of me is kind of wondering, will Gas's will Gas's consciousness be able to control the key? Part of me thinks what actually will happen is this. Gas's consciousness will try to manifest the key, but what will happen is that it will just explode. Like, I think he's going to try and still use his power, and he will just explode. Because he is so out of sync that his consciousness can try and manipulate it, but it has no conduit anymore, that it's just gonna... It's an interesting idea, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, like, I'm part, part of me thinks that Gas's whole death is going to be, he's going to still try and fight, and it's gonna kill him. Because he can't. His body can't hold up, and for the amount of power that he has inside of him, it's over. And once again, I'm going to bring up Legends Palpatine, because in Legends, Palpatine was so strong with the dark side, his bodies could not handle that amount of power, which is why he had to keep jumping from clone body to clone body, because he was so strong with the dark side and so corrupted by it that he could not maintain a physical form and so he was literally just the force that would manifest in his physical bodies and then they would degrade and die and he'd have to manifest again into another body that's actually how he ends up dying after han solo shoots his body yes palpatine's last body dies because he gets shot by han solo and then another Jedi uses his Force Spirit to latch onto Palpatine's Force Spirit and drag it into the Force equivalent of Hell. And that's how Palpatine died in Legends. Thinking something similar could happen with Gas, where his body can't hold the power anymore, and it needs release. And he's going to try and control it as it's trying to release, and it's going to... I guess we will see. That's how I think it may go now, because I think that's going to be ultimately Gas's undoing, because he also described the feeling of his cells being destroyed by this power as euphoric. Which lets me believe that he's going to try and do it because it feels so good. 
which is another divergent from Sagenbow, because Sagenbow looked like he was in an immense amount of pain by having his body and his power be so out of sync, while Gas thinks it's the greatest thing ever. I'm at least happy that you were able to look forward to the future of this arc. Because me, on the other hand, I've already expressed my opinions on that. I'm, I'm just spitballing ideas because I know Toyotaro is a massive Star Wars fan. He's also a massive Marvel fan. So I'm like, let me think of things from the things he likes that he would pull inspiration from. Because we all know that the fucking scene between Meros and the Macarini gang was pulled straight from Solo. And you will not tell me otherwise. And we also know he's a big fan of Marvel because remember when he traced that Goku over uh, Cap over Captain America? Yeah. So, I, I he's a big fan of these things. So I'm like, let me think of things that would that happen in other franchises that he likes that he may adapt. And the concept of power that of a consciousness trying to use power that body can't control and it backfiring horribly. Sounds exactly like something Toritario would pull and try to use in Dragon Ball. Because remember, he was a fanfic or he was a fanfic writer first, and you know how fan fiction works. Yeah. So, she's uh, forty minutes already. Wow. Fuck. All right. Well, let's just go ahead and give our overall opinions. So again, I my opinions on this chapter are more negative than positive. Though I will say, there are some highlights that I still did enjoy. Yeah, I really like this chapter, and for me, the negatives of the ending and the way the chapter is structured, I really can't fault the chapter itself for, because it's the medium it's presented in, and it's just a, con it's just a confine of the medium. Therefore, I kind of feel it's not the story's fault. Yeah. Because there's only so much a story can be within the confines of the medium. Yeah. Well, and also because of other factors, the fact that the story can't be ported over to a weekly magazine, thus would allow the story more breathing room and things. Yeah, it just doesn't. Yeah. Things that are completely out of control. I will so, say yeah. to, to your. I will say to your credit, at the very least, because. Let's face it, my ability to intake media is very hampered right now because of, let's just face it, some lackluster uh, properties that we've had to review. Yeah. And uh, let's face it, my, uh, my, my ability to score things higher dwindling as time passes. <laughs> yeah. For me, I always try to look at every piece of media that we review as on its own merits and try to see what it accomplishes is, and more importantly as well, see what it's trying to do within the confines of the material conditions of what it was made with. And so that's why I tend to give things a bit of higher scores, because I'm trying to review it more on what it is trying to achieve and whether it met that goal within the confines of what it is. Except for Morbius, I will never read that movie. Could not rate that movie high. I was expecting yeah. to give that movie a fucking three. I lowered it to a, to a fucking two because of that goddamn end credit scene. Which, unfortunately, is now the saving grace of whatever the dumpster fire of Morbius 2 will probably be. I hate the fact that the end credit scene that I hate so much is the glimmer of hope for what could potentially be a decent Morbius 2. I hate it. 
If they so decide to fucking go, much. if they decide to go for a sequel and not just straight up go for a Sinister Six movie, immediately. I'm pretty sure they're gonna go for a Morbius too. Given the, given the fact that Venom Three is happening, given the fact that Madame Web is happening, I think Morbius Two is gonna happen. Okay. Especially because who's going to be the Sinister Six when you don't have Six? Because what do we got so far? We've got we've got Ven Venom, we've got Morbius, we've got Vulture, we've got El Muerto, we've got Craven the Hunter. So we just need one more, and then it's all set up. But the problem is that we don't have a sixth one, and the upcoming projects it, don't. The upcoming Sony projects that they have don't lend itself to a sixth person. We got Madam Web, who no, no, that won't happen. You have Silk, no. no. You have Spider Woman, no. no. So, <laughs> what do you do? I mean, Tox. Again, do you we do Toxin? No, Toxin hates Venom. Well, again. This is implying that we care enough about the Sony universe. Let's be honest. We do care because at the end of the day, we do want it to be good because <laughs> it, 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 it won't. I am not hopeful in the slightest. Also, I've noticed that a lot of people have been putting Morbius in their phase four reviews and I kind of I kind of realized that they're, they're kind of correct. They're, 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 they're correct. correct to do so. They're correct to do so. They're correct to put Morbius in their phase four reviews because at the end of the day, Morbius did tie into the MCU. Thus, you need to count it as part of this ever-expanding I mean, multiverse saga look, because it's also one of the first on-screen appearances of an incursion happening as well, meaning it is going to be integral to Secret Wars. We can just assume that our Dragon Ball segment is done. Seven out of ten. Uh, six out of ten. But um, based on the logic that we're presented in this medium, we can just go ahead and assume that the one unreleased uh, Fantastic Four movie that never saw the light of day is canon to the MCU. <laughs> based on this logic, listen, I'm a, I'm believing that the George Lucas made Howard the Duck film is going to be canon by the end of this. I guarantee it is. Again, we have no decision on it, but based on the logic that we are provided in, in this entirety of a franchise, the answer is yes. Mm -hmm. Also, did you hear that Alden Ironrake is being put in Madam Web? He played Han Solo. Really? In Solo. Oh, God. So, um, this just kind of popped in my brain. What do you expect to be announced at just Comic-Con in general? Okay. So, ultimately, we need our big Phase 4 ender. Yeah, we do need the the team-up film. We need more news on Guardians 3. We need more news on, me, on Blade. Hold on, let me pull up uh, the list. Of, let me pull up, once again, the giant list of MCU properties that have not come out yet that we could see at San Diego Comic-Con. Because also, we know nothing about Werewolf by Night. We know yeah. absolutely nothing about what's going on there. So whenever you mention it uh, when we're live, it just, in one ear, out the other, and I just nod, going, sure, yeah, yeah, so yeah. Let me, give you, let me give you the list of things Marvel-related that could come out of San Diego Comic-Con. We got I Am Groot, She-Hulk Attorney at Law, What If Season 2, Werewolf by Night, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Echo, 
The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special, Craven the Hunter, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, Secret Invasion, Ironheart, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Spider-Man Freshman Year, The Marvels, Madam Web, Blade, Agatha House of Harkness, Loki Season 2, X-Men 97, Fantastic Four, Armor Wars, Marvel Zombies, El Muerto, Spider-Man Beyond the Spider-Verse, Captain America 4, Daredevil 3, Silk, not Daredevil 3, Daredevil, not Daredevil 3, Deadpool 3, fuck, Captain America 4, Deadpool 3, then Daredevil, Silk, Venom 3, Spider-Woman, 10 Ring Series, Wakanda Series, Thunderbolts, Nova, Wonder Man. Yeah, no, that's a massive list. And I assume they'll give, like, a whole timeline as to what they'll release over the next two years anyway, so that list is going to expand probably. Probably. I, so, part of me kind of, part of me knows they're going to announce new shit that isn't on this list, because this is Marvel we're talking about. But part of me kind of wishes they don't, also, because of how much shit we already have lined up. I kind of want to know more about that stuff before we even think about moving forward. That pretty much just helps with what I'm saying about Werewolf by Night, because, again, I I don't even care to process whenever you say anything about it, because, like, we, we know nothing about it. Yeah. here's Do you know what's the craziest part? Technically, Werewolf by Night has not even been officially announced. It's just an open secret that it's a thing coming out this Halloween. There has been no official announcement about Werewolf by Night. Like, if you look anywhere on Disney or Marvel, you will find no word of Werewolf by Night. It's pretty much just an open secret that it, it exists and will probably come out this Halloween. You think this Halloween, considering we know nothing about it? It's being pushed as the Halloween special. I almost question it at all, or it happening at all, considering that that will be around the same time that uh, She-Hulk will be playing. And also, we are like a few weeks out from learning about that series when it's going to be releasing earlier than Halloween. So, I, it's definitely going to come out. So, every... Okay, so Werewolf by Night has been an open secret for more than a year. And everyone and their mother has said that it it's, it's this Halloween. It, it's going to be this Halloween. It is going to be a Halloween special. And it will be the first of many... Halloween specials, with rumors already popping up that the next Halloween special will be about Man-Thing, who is also supposed to be in Werewolf by Night. Hell, the whole plot synopsis of Werewolf by Night has leaked. Apparently, they're going to do a dual release, with uh, the original release going to be in black and white, and then the follow-up release going to be in color. Yeah, again, I just don't have enough information to process Yeah, there is that. nothing about this. I'm almost doubtful that it's even going to happen this year. That's 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 how little information I have. Yeah, it's kind of crazy how close we are to its release and that they've said nothing. But the fact that everyone in the industry knows it exists, says it exists, and says that it's coming out this year, it just hasn't been officially announced. I kind of wonder why it hasn't been. 
honestly, with the lack of information we're getting, I'm not convinced. Um, you can't convince me until I see actual proof that it is being filmed. I mean, I can point to you all the leaks from all the leakers that have been talking about this for over a year. Like, these people, like, they've staked their claims over less. And, like, to be honest, like, it's just kind of been accepted just in the broader Marvel fandom that it's a thing. So that I kind of, it's kind of just like, it's, it's kind of just like, it's a thing that's going to come out. The worst case scenario is that they announce it at D23. Because, like, that's like no hype at all. I guess we will see because, again, especially because this Werewolf by Night is going to be integral to this whole Blade, Black Knight, Midnight Suns thing oh, that we got teased. That's, that's another thing. We don't know anything about Blade. That's going to be coming out. That's coming out next year, right? Check the list. Blade will be coming out to be determined. Oh, God. Uh, all the things that we know coming out next year are Craven the Hunter, Ugh. Uh, Animal and the Wasp, Quantumania, coming out February 17th, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 coming out May 5th, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse coming out June 2nd, The Marvels coming out July 28th, Madam Web coming out October 6th, and that's it. Uh, oh, and, sorry, forgot, El Muerto coming out January 12th, 2024. How the fuck does this have a release date already? What the fuck? How the fuck did this get a release date? <laughs> also, Echo is supposed to come out this year, apparently. I do not see that happening. I am sorry. With how how much time that um, She-Hulk is going to take up, considering it's a 12-episode series. Yeah. You, like, you, you, again, you can't convince me of that. Like, the things that are supposed... The things that we have left... Like, if you, if you look at the picture I'm looking at, Half of this list apparently has not come out yet. So, if you look at the list that I'm looking at, the first half has Moon Knight, Morbius, Doctor Strange, Miss Marvel, Thor, Love, and Thunder, and I Am Groot. I Am Groot still hasn't come out yet. Then the second half of the list has She-Hulk, What If Season 2, Werewolf by Night, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, Echo, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Hollow. Um holiday special. That's six different projects. No, I'm wrong. That's seven projects that have yet to release this year that are rumored to come out. And none of them are by Sony either. These are all Disney. Yeah. I'm just going to hamper my um, opinions until next week when we actually get info on it. Because, to be honest, like, because, again, we know so little about these shows coming up that I am not convinced that they're actually coming out this year. I kind of can't believe that what if it's... If, if any, of all the things that are put on this list to come out this year, I doubt what if season two is coming out this year. I know they've said they want a what if season every year, but I can't see it. I yeah. cannot. I know they said they want one every year, but I can't see it. Especially with the whole VFX team, and I know it's animation, not VFX, but still, I can't see it. Yeah. So, okay, so we'll move off of Marvel 
what are we thinking about Star Wars? Because we got so, we got Andor coming out August thirty first. Let's face it, Mandalorian season three has had many trailers being shown uh, away from the public and to select audience or to select groups. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, this is what they're going to try to hype up next. Yeah. Well, let me. Well, so let me show you what we have coming out for the rest of this year for Star Wars. So we got Andor. Tales, okay, um, I'm also, I'm going to skip the Lego Star Wars shit because we're not going to be reviewing Lego Star Wars. It's a meme. I love Lego Star Wars, but we're not reviewing it. So we got Andor coming out August 31st. We got Tales of the Jedi, which is a spinoff of Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and Star Wars, The Bad Batch coming out sometime this year. And we also got um, Star Wars, The Bad Batch Season 2 coming out September 28th. Okay. So we got three. See, that's the thing. This is more realistic than Marvel's slate. They only have three shows coming out for the rest of the year. And they're a, and they're a much smaller pro, like production company. Yeah, which makes sense for three. Because, while Marvel has seven. Because meanwhile, that's just Lucas Arts. Yeah. You got it, all of Marvel Studios t- tackling all of that, and I feel like this amount of projects would be more appropriate. Yeah. It does. Which, I mean, also <laughs> leans into the fact that, you know, the uh, constant spew of content is leading to mediocrity, as we see. Yeah. Which, uh, oh man, they're making it really hard for me to get invested and excited for some of this stuff. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I have more fun speculating than whatever they have, like, to spew out. That's kind of true for me at times. Like, I really do enjoy the speculation process almost more than watching it. Yeah. Just a little bit. But there's also some stuff that's coming out in 2023 and beyond that I think will also get shown. Obviously, Mandalorian Season 3, that comes out the beginning of next year. Yeah, I feel like that's a big thing they're going to focus on. Especially because the trailer information is out there. And it, like, probably they're going to have like a big segment on Andor, but they're going to they're, they're 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 need to make sure that they try their damnedest to make people care. Because again, I didn't care about it when I first saw the so, trailer. At Star Wars Celebration, I know for a fact that Andor, Bad Batch, Tales of the Jedi, Mandalorian, and Ahsoka all had trailers shown off. So I believe these trailers will be publicized at E3. The Ahsoka show is also supposed to come out Comic-Con. next year. Did I say E3? You said E3. Comic-Con. E3 died. Rest <laughs> in peace. But yeah, the Ahsoka show is also supposed to come out next year. We got Vision Season 2. Uh, we got the game Jedi Survivor, which we don't have consoles to play it on, unfortunately. We got Skeleton Crew, which is going to be a Disney Plus series. We have The Acolyte, which is going to come out sometime. We have uh, Taika Waititi's uh, Star Wars movie which, coming out next year. Uh, which, uh, the fact that he has... Oh, remember the story I told you about how um, he asked Natalie Portman if, if she wants to be in the movie? He's like, hey, do you want to be in a Star Wars movie? She's like, I was in three! <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Which, oh god, that's not a good reflection on what uh, what they want to do. How do you forget Natalie Portman was in Star Wars? That's one of her biggest set of movies! But anyways, we got Taika Waititi's movie. We got The Lando Show. We have Patty Jenkins' um, Rogue Squadron. 
that's still being made. We have uh, a Star Wars A Droid Story, which I'm guessing is going to be an R2-D2. We have um, Kevin Feige's Star Wars movie. And we also have Rangers of the New Republic somehow still in the works, despite one of their main actresses getting booted for being a fucking retard. <laughs> yeah, because, um, what was I going to say? So it looks like they, do you think they would stray away from trilogies with these two movies coming up? Uh, so there's three movies coming out, and I guarantee you they are not a trilogy in the slightest. Yeah. One's made by Taika Waititi, the other's being made by Patty Jenkins. I believe Rogue Squadron's still being made by Patty Jenkins. And the other one's being made by Kevin Feige. I cannot see these being a trilogy. Yeah, because, let's just face it, because between just comparing Feige and Waititi themselves, they have very different styles. Yeah, And I, I mean, mean Taika Waititi has more, to our knowledge, has more experience with Star Wars because he did make that really good Mandalorian episode. Yeah, because I mean, Outside of Star Wars and Marvel, he's made good, like, good movies, and his style is very comedic, and mm -hmm. he can pull off satire very well. But I don't know what I, Kevin Feige's gonna do, though. That's also the thing does, that surprises me. Also, does like humorous overtones work in Star Wars? It like, entirely it, depends on who they follow. For example, if the Taika Waititi movie followed Hondo Onaka. That shit better be fucking hilarious. Because if it's not, I'm going to be pissed. Because Hondo is hilarious. He's one of the best characters from Star Wars The Clone Wars. He is hilarious. I'll believe you on that. He is... To, to, let me explain to you I what he I don't did. think we've got time for that. No, no, no. I will explain it to you. Do you know how he captured Anakin and Obi-Wan? Wow. He got them blackout drunk and then just put them in jail. And they woke up without their lightsabers, handcuffed to Count Dooku, who they also kidnapped. I don't think we'll get a movie on him, but okay. <laughs> but 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 I'm saying, for example, that would be that would require comedy because yeah. that shit's comedic as fuck. But if you're following, say, let's say you follow the Inquisitors, zip it. I want it. I want comedy. If I'm following the Inquisitors. Or Darksiders. Or really any evil faction. Don't give me comedy. Give me comedy when you're going with third party people. Like if this is about Gungans. Yes, I want comedy. If this is about space pirates. I want comedy. But if this is about the New Republic. No. If this is about the Empire and the Imperial Remnant. No. The Sith. No. Mandalorians. No. Cut it. Don't do it. Yeah, because outside of Marvel, like I've said, he has a very comedic and satirical like directing style. Yeah. Like, have you seen? Because uh, one of the other films of his I've seen is Have you seen Jojo Rabbit? I've not seen it, but I know it's hilarious, and I know he played as Hitler. Yes. Yeah. So, just for reference, he somehow made a movie about nineteen forties Germany be hilarious. I mean, there is a lot of material to work with, all things considered. I, I mean, sure, but you have to be very ambitious to pull it off, and he did. Yeah, without being offensive is the real thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very easy to make World War II funny. Is it easy to make World War II funny without being blatantly disrespectful and anti-Semitic? That's harder. Yeah, but I mean, he... 
she could pull it off because in that movie, despite the fact that it is extremely funny, the um, there is a huge emotional gut punch in that scene that he pulls off extremely well. Oh, good. I just after Thor: Love and Thunder, where he overindulged on comedy, especially through his self-insert character, I'm now slightly worried about his take on Star Wars. But I do think, and this is very strange to say, Star Wars has a bit more creative control and restraint when it comes to massive tone shifts yeah. of their properties. I will say that is one benefit that they have, but um, let's just face the fact that the one thing they don't have over the MCU is their ability to plan. If, if it's not Dave Filoni, it ain't planned. Like, yeah. Dave Filoni seems to be the only guy over there that seems to want to plan shit. Which makes sense because he was a massive Expanded Universe fan. And he tried his damnedest to try and get the Expanded Universe pl stuff, like, all because neat when George Lucas was like, fuck it! Because, let's face it, the last two things we were talking about, the comedy and the ability to plan, are the biggest problems with the uh, latter third of the Skywalker saga. Yeah, I really did not Be like the comedy. Oh, especially in The Force Awakens. That makes the rewatchability of that movie to really be honest, bad. I, like, I keep saying how I think The Last Jedi is the best of the trilogy. The Last Jedi was the best with comedy, too. As in, the comedy didn't happen too much. So when it happened, it was good, it was neat, and they moved on. Versus yeah. the Rise of Skywalker. They fly now? Yes, Finn, they fly. You should know that. You were one of them! <clears throat> oh, no. I still think that the worst bits of comedy was in The Force. Like, mind you, I still like The Force Awakens, but you cannot rewatch that movie more than once. The only funny scene is, that's not how The Force works. No, Which is only good because you know Han's character and what he went through. So, the worst joke for me is, oh, how, how do you... Uh, so we can trust you, right? Like, you have the background to do this. Oh, yeah, I worked in sanitation. Sanitation! Like, that joke was so bad. And you know what's even worse? Is that it's a retcon. Because, because they, not a retcon, they retconned it. Did you know that Finn is actually supposed to be a very elite First, first Order Stormtrooper? Like, he's the top of his class. And that's why he gets called out as a traitor so badly in the movie, it was because he was considered the best of them, and he betrayed them. Which That's why Kylo Ren is so pissed at him. Which, that doesn't even make any sense, because based on the journey that he went through in the first movie, I'm led to believe that's his first mission. No! He is... Well, so here's the thing. So, based, based on, like, how the first... Because, let's face it, of all the scenes in that film, the, the, the scene where the... Um, the stormtrooper dies in his arms is a really gripping scene. Yeah. But based on when he walks onto the battlefield and the actions that he takes, I'm led to believe that's his first mission. So it's not, it's, I believe it's his first combat mission. That would make sense. I believe it's his first combat mission, but he is considered the best of his class because the whole thing about the First Order was that they wanted the efficiency of clone troopers without all the drawbacks of having to clone them all and genetically program them. But they wanted to, so they wanted to do recruitment. 
but they didn't like the downsides that came with recruitments when they did stormtroopers. So what they did was they kidnapped babies and raised them from birth to be soldiers like clones. So they would have the best of both worlds. Oh, so you're saying it's more of a, like... Of a training thing, like he went through the most rigorous training. Yeah, like and, he's and the, scored the best. Like he is, he was like top of the class. Okay. In fact, you know how he was losing that fight with the guy with the staff. Yeah. That's bullshit. He's the best melee fighter out of them all. Does this come from the novelizations? Yes. Okay. And so it was like, like the novelizations really do Finn justice where the movies don't because Finn is supposed to be very competent and very good. He's just not emotionally mature because he's a child soldier. That was it, but they fucked it up horribly. So yeah, but ugh, yeah. The, the comedy mm. Oh yeah, no, but like I said that, that, that comedic scene man, was it bad and the comedy in that movie just Hamper the rewatchability so much. That's why I will always say that the Last Jedi was the best of the best of the sequel trilogy. But yeah, um, I'm not looking forward to the Taika Waititi. I don't know how I feel about Rogue Squadron because so in the EU, Rogue Squadron is big. Like they are. You don't fuck with Rogue Squadron. Like, it was a squadron created by Luke and Wedge, like we saw in Empire Strikes Back. But Luke leaves the squadron, obviously, because, you know, I'm a Jedi now. So Wedge is the main guy now. And Rogue Squadron in the Expanded Universe is like a crack team. Like, a very elite crack team. Like, they were responsible for Wait. setting up the... um the reconquest of Coruscant in the EU. Was Patty Jenkins the one that directed uh, Wonder Woman? Yes. Okay, okay, perfect. Then I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Okay, good. So yeah, but Rogue Squadron's like a big thing in Star Wars Expanded Universe. So I'm kind of like, I don't know. Because the other thing is like, who are you going to make the main character? Because in for the turbo nerds of Star Wars, like I am, Wedge Antilles is the face of Rogue Squadron. He is considered the best pilot in the Rebel Alliance, not named Luke or Han, and almost as good as Force users at piloting skills. He's like the face of Rogue Squadron. And I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how anyone is going to be sold on the idea of a Wedge Antilles centered movie. Yeah. Like people were like, I don't like I don't think Han needs a movie. I don't think Obi-Wan needs a movie. Try selling them Wedge fucking Antilles. Yeah. Yeah. Try selling that shit to the casual audience. They'll be like, Wedge? You mean the background character from the fourth movie? That <laughs> And even though Wedge is goaded, and yes, it was Wedge that technically blew up the second Death Star, I mean, I'm just saying, no one gives a fuck. So, <laughs> I'm like, how are you gonna do this? You can't do Rogue Squadron without, without Wedge, but who gives a fuck about Wedge? Yeah, you kind 
I'm kind of in the boat, like, yeah, you kind of have to make original characters for this. Because I'm like, you can't do Legends characters. Because if you do Legend characters and you do them shit, it's over. Like, the only Legends character that's been brought from Legends to canon that has been done well, in my opinion, is Grand Admiral Thrawn. And that's it. I don't know if you're going to be able to do that with this movie. It could be good. I've heard that Patty Jenkins wants to make a Top Gun-esque movie with it. Which, to be fair, is perfect for Rogue Squadron to be Top Gun-esque. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I think Top like uh, Top Gun was, it was actually fairly good. because, And I hate that I actually like the sequel. I hate it so much that I actually found it to be better. <laughs> I mean, that's good. But that's what they kind of want to emulate it. And I think that's good, but... Wedge! It's fucking Wedge! <laughs> Come on, it's Wedge! Who's gonna watch a movie about him? Or do you think it'll be, like, actually one for one? Where, like, oh, he's, he's, the, he's the instructor and the main characters are actually the students. That I could see, but I don't know if people... I don't know if the Turbo Nerds will like it. Because here's the problem with the Rogue Squadron movie. Uh, the, the title Rogue Squadron clearly is appealing to Turbo Nerds. Because only the Turbo Nerds, like myself, know how important Rogue Squadron is. The general populace doesn't know who Rogue Squadron is. Maybe your grandfather who watched The Empire Strikes Back in the theaters will vaguely remember the name Rogue Squadron from that movie. But... The general audience doesn't know what the fuck Rogue Squadron is. So, you see where I'm getting at? Yeah, yeah. Like, ah! So, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to really any of these movies. I'm more interested in the shows, to be perfectly honest with you. These movies, no. Because, based on what we've seen in the past, it looks like Dave Filoni has more control of the shows at the very least. Yeah, it's Dave Filoni... Because he was, like, George Lucas straight up said Dave Filoni is his Padawan. Yeah. Like, he groomed him to be his successor. So I would hope Dave Filoni has more creative control. But I'm not excited for any of these fucking movies. Taco Atiti hasn't really done anything for me after Thor Love and Thunder. Rogue Squadron, I just see it as a colossal fuck-up way to happen. And I just don't know what Kevin Feige can do for Star Wars. Yeah. I mean, this will probably be a passion project for him. I will say his producer role in Miss Marvel was good. Yeah. Because he produced that show, and I love that show. What do you think about the Lando show? Uh, so, Lando... Obviously, if you're going to do a Lando show, it better have Donald Glover. If it yeah. doesn't, we riot. <laughs> if Donald Glover is not in it, kill it. <laughs> but I'm also wondering... Is this going to take place after Solo or before Solo? And if it's before Solo, does that mean his main love interest is going to be the droid? And if it's after Solo, are we just going to see how Lando gets to Cloud City? Are we going to see him in his all his, in all his bisexual glory? Like, what are we doing? Pansexual glory. Pansexual glory. Sorry. Yeah. But like, what are we doing? What are we doing with a Lando show? Like, you, you where kinda... we going? Yeah, you, you kind of have to do what's going with, with, with his, uh, uh, to, to uh, Cloud City. Yeah, you kind of have to do that because, like, 
That's the next interesting part about him in the timeline of his character. Because everything else is expanded universe. Yeah. All his expanded universe stories are there, but they're not going to touch it. And we don't know what the fuck he did in between um, the, Empire, uh, the, the Return of the Jedi and the Rise of Skywalker. We don't know what the fuck he did. It's clear he didn't join the New Republic military, so... Nah, he just hid out on that um, island, enjoyed the festivities, and uh, enjoyed the uh, the vast amount of species that were to his uh, that were open to him. Yeah, and then and then waited. You know what? I'm gonna join the rebellion again. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so I don't know that a droid story. This looks like an R two. This looks like an R two R two D two focus story. I'm going to have to assume this is R two D two in between three and four. But I don't know how much of a story that's going to be because he was with or the Organas. It's kind yeah. of the whole thing. He was with the Organas. His memory didn't get wiped. What, well, 3PO's memory got wiped? We kind of already know, so I kind of... Is it going to be R2 in between episode 6 and 7? Yes? I don't know. I don't... It, it's, very, it's, very... it's the same problem as the Lando story. There's very little to work off of, just based on the title alone. Yeah, and also it's R2-D2. I do not know how he can carry a story by himself that isn't supplemented with other characters that are as compelling as he is. The only thing I can vaguely see is like, oh, he's got to do like a recon or a stealth mission or something, gather information, but oh, wacky hijinks ensues. Cause that's, like that's the only thing that comes to mind. Because in the Clone Wars, he has his own. He has a couple episodes dedicated to him, but he's part of a squad of droids on military assignments. It's better than how it's, it's better than how it sounds. I promise. Oh no, I, I I get what you're saying. It's very similar to what I just described. Yeah, but it's like that was because the Republic knew that R two was a valuable military asset after it was captured by General Grievous. And they realized, holy fuck, this droid has access to all our fucking secrets. And if they get their hands on him, they're going to fuck us in the ass. And then they kind of realized, okay, this droid is actually a pretty good military asset. But I don't know if any other faction would do that. Yeah. Like, the reason why R2 was such a good military access, asset was because he was owned by Anakin. I don't know what an R2 story is. That's assuming this is, but considering the logo is literally in R2's colors... I'm assuming it's an R2 story. And also the A, it's, it's shaped in a specific way. Let's be yeah. Rangers of the New Republic, I am surprised this shit still is this. <laughs> After the Gina Carano fiasco, I'm surprised this shit is even in the upcoming stuff. Uh, the Ahsoka show? Probably will be good. Uh, from what I've heard about the trailer, it is going to recreate the final scene of Star Wars Rebels. Which is going to be the search for Ezra and Thrawn, which we were referenced in Mandalorian Season 2. When uh, Ahsoka fought uh, Thrawn's... Uh, whatever. Whatever. Whatever she was. When, he, when she fought her, she's like, where's Grand Admiral Thrawn? That's clearly playing off of the fact that the last time we saw Ahsoka was in Rebels, and her and Sabine were looking for it. Which leads me to also believe that Sabine is probably going to be in Mandalorian, which would make sense considering, you know, 
she's supposed to be the actual wielder of the Darksaber, considering no one beat her in combat for it. She beat Gar Saxon it in ritual combat. She was trained by a Jedi to actually use the Darksaber. So she should trip the people in the middle. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, my excitement is not even, like, my excitement is low for the MCU as far as, like, like Comic-Con announcements. You can barely get me to care for Star Wars right now. <laughs> After the botched Skywalker trilogy, or the, like, botched last trilogy of the Skywalker saga, Boba Fett, uh, to Obi-Wan's credit, it was above average. Yeah. Uh, I liked Obi-Wan. I'm more excited for The Bad Batch Season 2 and for Tales of the Jedi, because I know those are going to be fucking bops. Because Bad Batch Season 1 was good, and if Tales of the Jedi is a spinoff of the Clone Wars, that's just going to be fucking good. Because I liked Clone Wars. I liked Rebels when it got to the end, because it actually started to get good. I liked Bad Batch. I think Tales of the Jedi is going to be pretty good. The live-action stuff, the only one I'm actually truly looking forward to in any meaningful capacity is Andor. And I'm the complete opposite from you on that one. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to Andor and The Mandalorian Season 3. That's about it. The rest of this shit, I kind of have no faith. And so to round out our triumvirate, we will now talk about <laughs> the DCEU. Uh, oh, right, that is a thing. <laughs> so so uh, we got uh, Black Adam coming out in nine days. I'm sorry, what? Black Adam comes out in nine days. I need a new franchise anyway. Let's go and let's get going here. <laughs> I'm I'm joining the degenerates in the DCEU. I need a new franchise to get into. <laughs> so we got Black Adam coming out July 29th. Oh, oh, oh wait, I know what's coming after. <laughs> I was just about to say it. So we got Black Adam coming out July 29th. <laughs> we have to say it. You gotta say it. We we have the flash, the flash coming out November fourth. Never mind. I want that movie to bomb. We have the GCPD series coming out. Which, that's probably going to be tied in with, oh god, how do we even fit the Batman in? Is it its own universe? Well, this is going to be part of the Batman that, Exactly. So we have three separate like, oh, I'm not going to think about it. We got Batgirl the movie coming out. Oh god. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Aquaman's still coming out this year? Fuck! Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom, so we better get a fucking trailer for that. We got Shazam, Fury of the Gods, coming out 2023. We got Blue Beetle, the movie, coming out. J.J. Abrams' Justice League Dark. That movie is gonna be fucking garbage! Especially if it's J.J. Abrams. He's, he's That's the only reason why I think it's gonna be fucking garbage! Jesus. Because of his movies that I've seen, of course, I've seen both of his Star Wars movies, and those were bad. I've seen... One of his Star Trek movies, and that was uh, it was fine. The only good thing he ever made was uh, Cloverfield. Do people consider that good? It was decent. And I mean, he he did he did the setup for Lost season one, but also quit to do Mission Impossible. 
to be fair, Mission Impossible 3 was good. I did like it. But I have no faith for any of his other projects. Oh, he needs to just be excised from nerd culture, please. So we got the <laughs> Justice League Dark by J.J. Abrams, which is going to be a show. I don't even know how the fuck that's going to work. Right. We got the Static Shock movie with Michael B. Jordan. Oh, they're really attempting that. We got the Green Lantern show. It's going to be a show. And a film. There's two. It's the Green Lantern show and then the Green Lantern film. Presumably going okay. to be focusing on different Green Lanterns. Okay, that would make much more sense then. Which would make sense considering we have how many Green Lanterns? We have Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, Guy John. Gardner. It's Alan Scott, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner, Kyle Rayner, Simon Baz, Jessica Cruz, Joe, and Teen Lantern. Now make, make so we got we got nine. Make this show exclusively about Guy Gardner. <laughs> if, they, if Guy Gardner, if they make something about Guy Gardner, they need to include, of course, the infamous panel of when Batman literally knocked him out in one punch with Blue Beetle screaming, "One punch! One punch!" <laughs> that scene is iconic, and if they do anything with Guy Gardner, that needs to be in it. We also have Patty Jenkins' uh, The Amazons, which will be a show. Then, of course, Patty Jenkins' Wonder Woman 3. We have Our Man. We have J.J. Abrams' Constantine. Oh, why Constantine? Which will be a show. Oh. We also have J.J. Abrams again. But this time with Ta-Nehisi Coates doing Superman. Which I believe this will be the Calvin Ellis version of Superman. President Superman, if you will. And then we also have uh, Emerald Fennel's Zatanna, which will be a movie. And then on the animation front, we have uh, Neil Gaiman's The Sandman. We have Bat Wheels, so we're not talking about that. We have Superman and Lois Season 2. I didn't even see season one, but I heard it's good. It's probably one of the only good CW shows. And then we got DMZ, which we're probably not going to talk about. Yeah. So Probably the only thing DC-related. On the show front that interests me is Sandman. Yeah. Or even in the animation aspect, probably Harley Quinn. Which, it's surprising that that's not one of the things that you said. Oh, fuck. Well, well, we already do have the season three trailer. Yeah. But it's not, it's not considered to be coming out this year. Yeah. Not this year. Yeah, this year, 2022. Yeah, it's not considered coming out this year. At least from the list that I'm looking at. Yeah. So, um... Well, well, well. Looks like we have news. Henry Cavill will be going to San Diego Comic-Con for DC. That's surprising, considering he wanted to, you know remove himself as far as he could from that franchise. So, um... Right after Justice League. Yeah, so, uh... Fucking Christ. Joaquin Phoenix gets paid 20 million for Joker 2, Jason Momoa 15 mil for Aquaman 2, and Dwayne Johnson 22 and a half million for Black Adam? Yeah, sounds about right. Fucking hell, they're fucking making gold. Anyways... Let's talk. Oh yeah, obviously Joker 2 as well. Something coming up. So, 
What are our expectations for DC? Let's just... First, let's obviously do Black Adam, because that's the one coming out this month. So, <clears throat> based on the fact that, it, based on the trailers, it doesn't look like he, The Rock's going to be playing himself. You know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes, He's I got know. a character. Yes. He plays it really well, but let's face it, the fact that they're like making him play an actual character... I, I, it could be good, actually. Yeah, I mean, and Black Adam is a villain that's nowadays more of an anti-hero. I mean, we saw him in the death of the Justice League, and he was clearly on the good side. And so far in Dark Crisis, he seems to be on the side of the good guys. He just only wants Nightwing to lead the team, because he, Nightwing is the only superhero he respects right now. But uh, for the movie... I think it will be good. I think it could be good. I mean, they're handling the Justice Society, which is one of my favorite superhero teams, the Justice Society of America. And uh, we got we know Black Adam's going to be in the movie. We know the Adam is going to be in the movie, Al Pratt. We know that uh, Red Tornado, uh, my uncle. We know that um, Dr. Fate is going to be in it, Kent Nelson. And what was the other Justice Society? Hawkwoman. Which Hawkgirl, which I believe is going to be, I hope it's Shira Hall and not Shira Thal, because that would be way too confusing. It, uh, Shira Hall's the human Hawkgirl, Shira Thal is the Thanagarian Hawkwoman. Hawkman is confusing, don't ask. As you've explained it before. But, um, yeah, that one could be good. Moving on. I hope this movie's bad. So, how the fuck are they going to advertise this movie at Comic-Con, considering their lead actor is on the run from the police across the country? <laughs> <laughs> How the fuck can they spin any good PR out of this movie? Ezra Miller is running from the police as we speak! He's in another universe. I know this because he posted it online. I swear to fucking they God. They posted it online. I... Th how is this movie going to do anything? Their lead actor is a fucking felon! <laughs> I know this movie's gonna be at Comic-Con, too. It has to be. It comes out this year. It's one of only three DC movies left coming out this year. We know it's coming. How the fuck are they gonna do it? Are they just gonna have Michael Keaton and that's it? <laughs> They're just like, uh, so, um, this is now, um, another Batman movie. This is now the sequel to the Michael Keaton series. We are renaming it The Batman 1980-whatever. And for some reason, Supergirl's like in it. <laughs> don't, don't question it. If you, if you have any questions... Probably has to do something with Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, listen, for all the shit we talk about Black Panther Wakanda forever, this movie is going to be dog shit. <laughs> this movie's going to be garbage. And even if it is good, like, the, the backlash that's going to come, like, 
just the slew of backlash that's going to come from this movie. Good God. And now I am going to rival him. <laughs> I don't know how the fuck they're going to spin PR for this. I don't know how the fuck. Is this why Ke- is this why Henry Cavill's coming to Comic-Con? <laughs> is this why Henry Cavill's going to be there? I've heard rumors that him and Ben Affleck were going to be in the movie. <laughs> How the fuck are they gonna do it? He's a fucking villain! Oh my god. I don't under- Oh my god. This movie went from what was supposed to be ushering in a new era of the DCEU is now the biggest dumpster- How the fuck are they gonna run this press junket? I need to know. Like, I know Warner Brothers Discovery right now is in the process of literally burning everything related to Ezra Miller right now. Like, it's like that scene in Spongebob when he forgot his name and his brain set itself on fire. That's Warner Brothers Discovery right now with Ezra Miller. What is his name? What is his name? What is his name? We forgot his name. I have no faith for this movie. I don't even know how they're even going to attempt to drum a pipe for this at Comic-Con. What if they don't? What if they just don't? They invested millions. There are contracts that have been signed. People have been working on this for years! What if they just give it like a little two, three minute, like blurb in, in their like presentation video and just don't do anything else. What about the audience questions? Oh look, Shazam Fury of the Gods! <laughs> you guys want to see they, that, right? How are they gonna deal with any questions about this movie? Look, Joker 2. <laughs> this movie God damn it! Oh they my have god! Plenty, they have plenty of distractions to uh to uh, hype up as opposed to the flash it comes out this year it's supposed to rival black panther oops <laughs> shouldn't have hired a goddamn fella see here's the problem <laughs> look at these two movies black panther has a dead lead and the flash has a felon lead This movie's gonna be fucking garbage. I just realized I forgot the mic. We've been doing this without a mic. Set it up. Fucking idiot. You set, keep you keep talking. It, set it up right now. You keep talking, I'll get the fucking mic. You know that if you keep me on on here while you're setting up the mic, it's just gonna be me bashing Ezra Miller. Just keep going. Oh my god. But yes, I expect nothing from this movie whatsoever, and I wish for it to suffer and burn a long and horrible death. Oh my god. Jesus Christ. Anyways, let's go from a movie that we know for sure will be something that could be good. Could be good. Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Oh, right. How are we going to deal with that movie? Because Amber Heard! 
They can't catch up. They can't fucking win! <laughs> okay, the microphone's set up. Which, um... Let, let's face it. How the fuck are they gonna do this? Because James Wan and um, Jason Momoa actually fought really hard to keep her in the movie. I don't even know, bro. How the fuck is this guy? DC, I'm so sorry for you. I'm you not. don't deserve this. Yes, they do. Listen. Yes, listen, they do. They listen. Hi- yes, they do. They hired Ezra Miller. <laughs> Damn it. I thought we were going to be getting away. I was like, let's talk about Aquaman. And then I realized, holy fuck, the main love interest is played by Amber fucking Heard. God damn it. Yes, they deserve everything that's coming their way. How the fuck are they going to spin this PR either? How the fuck are they going to do this? Oh my god. Honestly, I think... This this, This year started out so good for DC too. This year was so good for DC. I mean, they had Peacemaker and they had the Batman. And those shows were considered some of the best superhero media to come out the year. And then they fucked it up! <laughs> no, they didn't fuck it up. Their actors fucked it up. Amber Heard got into probably one of the most public libel and slander lawsuits in history. And then Ezra Miller is Ezra fucking Miller. They're fucked. This is what they get for hiring them in the first place. I will never stop blaming DC for that. Never. So, um, <laughs> so, I don't even, I mean, I mean, I, I know there's going to be a trailer reveal for this movie. There has to be. This movie comes out at the end of the year. At, at the very least, this movie doesn't have as drastic of baggage now that the trial is over. Let's be fair here. Do I, you think people are going to sit there and clap and cheer when Amber Heard shows up on that screen? She's the most hated woman in America! They don't have to show her. She only has like five to ten minutes of screen time as far as I've heard. I mean, fair. She doesn't have to be in the trailer. I know. They probably took steps to edit her out. I know. <laughs> it's just, you know, it's fucking Mira. She's literally the second most important character in the Aquaman mythos. Oops. This is all mistakes that DC has been making. It's normal for me to expect them to make mistakes like this. Yeah, Sovereign has been a bigger fan of the DCEU than I am, because even though I'm a massive DC fan and I love DC, I despised the DCEU from the moment Man of Steel came out, and I've never forgiven DC for what they did with Man of Steel, so I just didn't watch the DCEU, because I hated what they did with Man of Steel. Just to clarify, I'm not a DCEU stan, but I I consider the good parts of it to be watchable. And uh, everything else can die. And I just, because Superman is my, Superman is like my all-time favorite superhero. So the way they did him in Man of Steel, I will never forgive. And because of that, I just never watched the DCEU. So now that I'm trying to like get back into it and like, you know, give it a shot, this shit is happening. And it's kind (laughs) of making me wonder like, why do I even bother with this shit? It's a constant 
dumpster fire. <laughs> it's like a dumpster fire where there's like, you know, when you're at 7-Eleven and it's two in the morning and you know the hobo that's been sitting under the tree all day has finally come out and he's fucking just going all over the place and then the fucking dumpster goes on fire and instead of running, he sits there and he puts his hand there. It's like that. So here's the way I view the DCEU. You've got the main part, which is just the dumpster fire timeline and then somehow the timeline splits and somehow good content sprays from that occasionally somehow that's how i view the dceu because somehow all the side stories are better than the main plot which would be man of steel batman v superman uh justice league by joss whedon like all of the main stuff is garbage Whereas all the side stuff that don't pertain to that element of the DCEU is watchable. Okay, I want to focus on something good. GCPD, that's going to have Jeffrey Wright as the lead. I'm considering how good he was in the Batman as a, as a, um, as a good Gordon. So, I'm of two minds of continuing the Batman universe. On one hand... I really like the Batman. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, comic book movies to have come out. I mean, I'm going to argue this right now, and people are going to hate me for this opinion. I think it's better than The Dark Knight. I agree. Because I'm gonna... I agree wholeheartedly. I think it so, is better than The Dark Knight. So, cinematically, like people argue that The Dark Knight is a better movie overall. I'm sorry. Like, my recency bias has escaped my body, and I have opened my third eye... This movie oozes so much more style. Honestly, I'm going to be honest here. The Dark Knight is really only liked because Heath Ledger was the Joker. And I'm going to say this, and this is going to sound really insensitive. I feel like people really like The Dark Knight a lot and Circle Jerk it a lot because Heath Ledger died. It's kind of like how... This is another comparison. It's kind of like how, for a long time... People knew Kobe Bryant was good at basketball and easily top 10 and top 5, but no one put him in the GOAT argument until he fucking died. And now all of a sudden, oh yeah, LeBron can't compare to Kobe. Bullshit! But anyways, it's like that. I don't necessarily agree, mostly because fundamentally it is a top-notch film made by by a really good director. No, no, it's not to say that it's not a good movie. But the way it gets jerked to be the greatest superhero movie of all time, you know? I mean, yeah. To be perfectly fair, I wouldn't even consider The Dark Knight better than Infinity War. I think it's great. I think in terms of all-time superhero movies, it's top five hands down. But I don't think it's better than The Batman or Infinity War. Yeah, because, again, like... Think about things that people say about the Dark Knight being good. What can you list? Like not, not just good. Not not just good. I'm sorry. A top tier superhero flick. Gritty, realistic, like. Or not not good villains, good dialogue, good music, good cinematography. Now go to the Batman. It has all of those. It has all of those, but it has style it, it has lighting like it has like the music is much more recognizable like nirvana 
sounded amazing in the Batman. And I cannot tell you a song that was as memorable from The Dark Knight. Yeah, whereas, like, the main theme, it's very memorable. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna spew out another hot take here. Like, people saying that the main, like, OST of the Batman doesn't have much variety... I'm sorry, but I live for moments like that. I'm an anime fan. Parts where they blare the main theme are moments I live for. Yeah. That, so I no, when they play <laughs> that shit, that shit's fucking amazing. So that's hype. I'm sorry, but I live in the community where people rave over the Giorno piano. I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, but moments like that are what I live for, and somehow the Batman brought that in. And I'm sorry, nothing in the in the bat in um, the Dark Knight's uh, soundtrack can compete with that. I'm sorry. Do you know what really makes the Batman better than the Dark Knight for me? What's that? The fact that Gotham feels like a distinct character, like versus you... in the Dark Knight, it's Chicago. Yeah, and also, the, I, I'm sure you've heard these arguments, too. The whole, like, oh, Batman can just donate and fix all of Gotham's problems. It That argument works for the Dark Knight very vaguely, but good God, does In it... Batman? <laughs> no! God, no, it won't work! It's actually gonna fail miserably! And guess what? They actually show that it did. In fact, not only did they show that it did, it's the main fucking plot! <laughs> the idea that, no, Bruce Wayne can't just donate money, because it would just go into the hands of corrupt people that would then feed all the crime that he hates. So, yeah. Anyways, back to what we were talking about with GCPD. I don't... See, part of me just doesn't want a continuation. I kind of felt the Batman was just good on its own. Like, kind of like how Joker was good on its yeah, own. Yeah, I was just about to bring that up because people don't want a sequel to Joker up until they heard the news that, oh, they're going in a unique direction with it yeah. and making it a musical. Yeah, and that's the only saving grace I have there for are, the Joker, too. And there are elements of Joker and Harley Quinn's origin story that lean it to being a very good musical. Whereas, I feel like I understand where you're coming with, because with all the style that the Batman has, could it be easily replicatable in a show? So, part of me thinks it could be. Because I think of Daredevil. Daredevil... Good God Daredevil season one. That shit made New York ooh so much character. Marvel's New York in Daredevil and even in Jessica Jones. Oh, especially oh, in the Jessica God, Jones. Was so good. And so I think if they can tap into that, I think I'll become more, you know, like more in favor of a GCPD spinoff. Because, because one thing you also have to consider is just the extreme direction that they took their lighting. Can they replicate that with the budget of a show? Yeah, that's my biggest thing. Is that if they're going to continue the Batman with a show, that show needs to be able to grip me with its atmosphere. I need to feel like Gotham is the slimy, shitty shithole that we know and love. Like, it needs to be like that. They need to show that Gotham is in New Jersey, the shithole of a state that it is, not Chicago. 
because no one gives a fuck about Illinois outside of Chicago. But everyone knows that New Jersey is a shithole. And everyone knows Gotham is the shithole of the shithole. It needs to be like that. Yeah, except in the DCEU, where it is literally right across the river from Metropolis. (laughs) Remember that decision? You're making me heavily reconsidered ever reviewing DCEU content on this show. I fucking hate the DCEU. But, again, like I said, we've got one timeline that has all the side stuff that's actually really good, and I just excise the main timeline out of out of my uh, intake of Anyways, media. Anyways, we got Batgirl, which I don't believe is part of the Batman series of stuff. I believe it's going to be part of the main DCEU, to which I'm kind of like, how the fuck is this going to work? How the fuck is this even going to work? How do you do Batgirl? Oh, I know. I know. And And I swear to God, if you say Bruce Wayne love plot, I will fucking choke you to death. Moving on. (laughs) Shazam Fury of the Gods. I know. She could be an intern at Wayne Tech. And then... And then... Do not finish that thought if you value your life <laughs> we are moving on to Blue Beetle we are moving on to whether this is going to be a movie about Jaime Reyes or about Ted Cord, or about the first Blue Beetle who's well isn't it isn't it going to be Jaime Reyes okay I wasn't sure if it was Jaime Reyes because they've already uh, cast a Hispanic uh, like young actor to okay then it's definitely Jaime but, so then, I wonder, since, so the big thing about Blue Beetle is that Blue Beetle is a legacy hero. There is, I believe the original Blue Beetle is Dan Garrett. Let me just make sure that's his name. Dan Garrett, Dan Garrett, yep! Dan Garrett, yep! So yeah, the original Blue Beetle was Dan Garrett. Then there was, of course, the successor, Ted Cord, And then there's Jaime Reyes. So I wonder how they're going to handle it. Because Dan Garrett, most people don't really remember. He's the first Blue Beetle. No one really even realizes that Blue Beetle actually is a third, that Jaime Reyes is the third generation of the Blue Beetles. So, so I, It's kind of like, in a way, like how there's the original Flash. Oh, there's a, they do this a lot. DC is full of legacy heroes. Some of which you don't remember are legacy heroes. Like Red Tornado. Like, the Red Tornado we're seeing in Black Adam is one of the original Red Tornadoes, but not the robot named John that we think about. Yeah. So, I don't think Dan Garrett's going to be in this movie. If anything, he'll be an Easter egg. Ted Kord, I think, has to be in this movie. But my thing is, is... The story usually goes like this. Ted Kord gets killed, usually by Maxwell Lord, or killed by an assortment of villains, sometimes Deathstroke, Sportsmaster, whoever. The, the, the moral of the story is Ted Kord dies and the scarab that he studies, because he never was able to harness the power of the scarab, beca- comes into possession of Jaime Reyes. So I'm wondering how they're going to handle that, because I believe Ted Kord has been referenced in the DCEU before, but never shown. Is that correct? I don't pay attention enough to be able to point that out. Okay. 
So I'm kind of wondering how they're going to do it. And I also wonder who they're going to make the villain. Because the whole thing about the Blue Beetle Scarab is that it's a piece of Reach technology and the Reach are an intergalactic like empire that conquer shit and they're going to try and come to Earth and um, that. I don't know how they're going to handle that. Aren't they there... could pull a Captain Marvel. Could, but aren't there other like beetle antagonists like antagonists who like have the power of the scarab as well? I don't believe so. Actually, the only one I can think of is Black Beetle. Because that's that's the one that comes to mind. Yeah, there's Black Beetle, but remember, Black Beetle is it reaches thing, and I believe him being a Reach enforcer is really only something that came about through Young Justice. Which, okay. obviously, they could still obviously pull okay. from. They still could obviously pull from, because Young Justice has had a, an immense influence on the comics. Because that's that's where my mind is going. It's like, oh, they could pull Black Beetle. Yeah, so I'm thinking Black Beetle. I'm just wondering how they're going to pull it off. And connect it to the wider DCEU, and explain it away as to why none of these other superheroes are going to co- show up. Because Marvel... Yeah, in phase two they weren't good at it but by phase three and four they were pretty good at giving you reasons as to why the fuck the Avengers don't give a fuck about these other stories happening nah I don't agree that is a that is a decent criticism of the MCU cue Spider-Man eating hot dog Jeff. (laughs) but you know what I mean I don't know how they're gonna do it with Tyree Reyes like See, and also the other thing is that a big part about the Blue Beetle mythos is Booster Gold, the greatest superhero you've never heard of. <laughs> oh, if they introduce Booster Gold, that would be great. The problem with introducing Booster Gold is, one, he's from the future. Two, he's Rip Hunter's son. No, he's Rip Hunter's father. So there's that. And um, I don't know how that's going to work because that's a lot of time travel. Mm. so and I don't think the DCEU can survive a time travel plot after the Flash is gonna fuck everything up that is true I don't know if they're gonna survive anything with time travel I feel like if anything Booster Gold's gonna be a post credit scene hmm. because I just don't know how to feel about the Blue Beetle because I really don't know what direction they could take him in oh who would be a good actor for Booster Gold you have to get someone who oozes like, like, unironically. Like I would have said Ryan Reynolds would have been a good Booster Gold. Like you have to find someone who has like Johnny Cage levels of self-importance, but also can show how serious he can be. Because the whole thing about Booster Gold—he's the greatest superhero you never knew. He, at some point, becomes a legitimate superhero, but. So he doesn't fuck up the space-time continuum, has to pretend to be a colossal jackass. Yeah. So, you have to be able to portray both aspects of it. You have to portray the fact that he feels like a fucking failure because he gave up his I, he gave up the fact that he could have been a professional football player because he decided to cheat and then he got a dead end job at the Flash Museum and then all this shit happens and he's now basically time, like a time superhero but and then he tries to be famous like this is turning into what if Booster Gold got his own shit but 
I don't know a good actor to play him that isn't Ryan Reynolds. When I think yep. of Booster Gold, I kind of think of Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. Yeah. But he's so entrenched into his Deadpool persona. Like, I don't want him to be playing Booster yeah. Gold as Deadpool. Because, I mean, let's face it, he had criticisms of that back when he played Detective Pikachu. Yeah. So I don't uh, want him. I wouldn't want him. So I don't know. Like, who's another funny, charismatic white guy that could play a deep character? That looks like he would be a fuck up. Oh, I almost don't want. Uh, nah, not Chris Pratt. Um, no, God, no! Please don't make Chris Pratt Booster Gold. They're making him Mario. Don't, don't do this. Don't do this. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. What if? Oh. Liam Hemsworth. I'm not too familiar with him. So, I mean, he was in. His whole thing is that he plays as the the play version of Thor. You know, whenever uh, those plays happen with Matt Damon, uh, he plays Thor. But I also saw him in this one movie, which is escaping me. It's a mindfuck of a movie. It's a, it's a series of time loops. It's a horror movie. It's a series of time loops. Liam Hemsworth's in it. He's actually kind of decent in it. But I think Liam Hemsworth could potentially pull a Booster Gold. Hmm. He has the frame for it, for sure. Because Booster Gold is jacked, which makes sense. He was a he nearly went pro in football. But yeah. Anyway, so let's move to Justice League Dark. Hate it. Yeah, let's just face it. The way that J.J. Abrams has practically screwed the Skywalker... The, the ending of the Skywalker saga, the hatred for him is justified. I do not respect Mystery Box style. I do not respect it in the slightest. So I will not respect if he pulls this shit with Justice League Dark, which he will. Everyone knows he's going to pull some mystery box shit that will not get fucking solved. I hate it. Moving on. Yeah. Static Shock, Michael B. Jordan. So they have to make an older Static if they're going to use Michael B. Jordan. Which... Yeah, I cannot reasonably see Michael B. Jordan. Well, it says that he's directing it. Oh, okay. Okay. But let's be honest here. Is he an actor-director? I feel he's more of an actor to be he, honest. Yeah, he, he's more of an actor, but... Because, like, I've seen him in, the obviously, Creed, and in Marvel, and in... Fanforstick. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, we all remember Fanforstick. Yeah, fucking damn it, but... Um, I don't know. If, they're, if he's not playing Static Shock, then good, because then we can actually get a teenager to play him. Yeah, because Static Shock needs to be, like, 16 or 17. Yeah, but the big thing about Static Shock is that he's part of Milestone. Which, yeah, because which is a different element of DC because... It's a a lot of times considered just a straight-up separate universe. Yeah. So I don't know how you're going to do a Static Shock movie that's considered DCEU, unless it's not the DCEU. But then the problem that comes with doing a Static Shock movie that's not DCEU is that people want it to be DCEU. Because yeah. half the joy that people have about Static Shock is not only is he a really cool black superhero, but he'd be a really cool black superhero that you'd want to see interact with other superheroes. Like, and that's my big issue, is because Milestone is... And also the big thing that I'm worried about is that Static Shock is a very important character to black culture. He's probably one of the only black superheroes that is consistently recognized in black culture... 
I'm gonna be honest with you. I do not know if DC can handle it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because remember, if we're talking about DC, we're talking about the DC EU. I don't know if they're gonna be able to handle that shit. And also consider their fan base. Oh boy. <laughs> you also have to take into account that their fan base coincides with the fandom menace. Let's be fair here. Ugh. Yeah. Oh my god. Um, uh, I. They they overlap heavily. I don't even know. Like obviously, I believe that the story that they'll pull is obviously Static Shock versus Holocaust. Yes. <laughs> Shit. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> Shit. Fuck. Wait, is that an actual character name? Yes, his name is Holocaust. And yes, he is a fire-based supervillain. I thought you were gonna say gas. He's fire. Okay, that's still bad. He's black though. Why is that better? <laughs> Why is that better? I'm sorry, why was it necessary for you to say that? <laughs> I didn't want you to think he was a white guy named Holocaust running around with fire powers. That'd be even more racist looking. I don't care. Boy, it's... It's, it's still a, a villain named Holocaust. I, I don't believe you. I, I'm sorry, I don't believe you. I'll pull him up. Uh, I, I, it would have to, I feel like it would have to, I feel like part of it would have to be, uh, um, oh my god. No, they can't do that. I'm sorry. They cannot pull that off. Uh, so, um, yes, um, Leonard Smalls, a.k.a. Holocaust. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> oh, god, he's got... Fuck, I forgot about that part. Oh, God, it looks like he's got what looks like oven heaters on his shoulders. Oh, this is horrible. Fuck. God damn it. When I said, when I was thinking in my mind, I'm like, oh, of course, it's gonna be... I was like, of course, Static Shock versus Holocaust. Who would it be? And then I said that out loud, and I was like, oh, fuck. Wait, he was in Young Justice? Oh, yeah, he showed up in Young Justice Season 3. He was one of the traffic teenagers. Not helping. Fuck. <laughs> he was one of the teenagers that was wrapped up in the metahuman trafficking ring, oh. and he was bought. He was bought by Queen Bee's faction. Oh God! It looks like what he's got on his armor looks like gas tanks in one of these pictures. I hate this. Why did you do this to me? I forgot. Okay, in my mind, I this remembered is... his name. In my mind, I was like, of course, Holocaust. He's literally one of the best. He's like one of the big villains. He's like, he leads the blood syndicate. How? How do you keep making this worse oh with every sentence that you utter? Oh my god, this is so bad. Oh my fucking god. His name is Holocaust. He's part of the blood syndicate. This is on you. God, you did this. This was supposed to be a nice segment oh, where no. we oh, where we God. disparage Ezra Miller for 30 minutes oh, and then we God. predict about what's going to happen at San Diego Common Con. But you bring up this. Can you you couldn't think of anybody else in any 
of uh, Static's rogues gallery. I mean... Anybody else. I... It's just... It... I... Moving on. Please. I beg of you. Fuck, 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 cut the segment. I can't do this. I can't do this. We're moving to politics. I can't do this. I can't continue. You want to move after, into politics after doing this? <laughs> oh you want to move into up. politics into doing this? I fucked up, okay? I forgot, okay? You want to... My... Oh, fuck. You want to talk about politics after joking about... It's not a joke. That's his actual character, okay? His name is Holocaust. He has firepowers. He's part of the Blood Syndicate. And in Young Justice, he was trafficked as a meta-human trafficking team. By, and he was bought... And he was sold by white people to a Middle Eastern warlord. Oh, keep digging that grave. Yeah. Keep digging that grave. It's not my fault, it's DC's fault! You brought him up! He's one of the big bads of the Milestone universe, okay? One of. He's, the, he's one of the more iconic ones, okay? He's one of the only ones that shows up in other media. We have to continue this segment. I'm sorry. Please list anybody else. I'm giving you this out. Okay. Um, let me... <laughs> Let me see if there's another character in the Milestone universe that's a villain that I can use. Um, because I I will grant you this free out to escape so, this hole that you've dug for yourself. So um, there is um, so I I won't mention. So the big bads are usually the Blood Syndicate. Which is a group, but the whole the whole thing is that Dakota City, which is where this all usually takes place, has an event <clears throat> where, due to government corruption and neglect, there is an explosion that gives people superpowers, and these people are called Bang Babies because you know it was a gigantic bang yeah. that swept over the area and shit like that, I mean, and so. Yep. The whole thing about Milestone is that the entirety of Dakota City has to deal with this, and then you have different superheroes, like you have Icon, who is a alien who took the form of a black man because the first human he ever saw when he landed on Earth was a slave. I, I have no problem. Keep going. Okay, so he was a slave, and so, yeah... And so, um, let me... It's pretty pretty much like what we saw in Miss Marvel. You can keep going. So, yeah, so she took the form... He took the form, so he's basically like Superman. He is... Okay. Um, I'm gonna find another one. Yeah. Oh, that explains something. Huh. So now I know where DMZ comes from. You know that other show I mentioned? Yeah. He's a member of the Blood Syndicate. Okay. Please tell me there's no irony to his name in the same way. I don't... What was his name? What does it stand for? Um, they don't say, they don't say, so I'm not going to try and pursue it. It doesn't say so on the wiki. I'm not going to try and pursue it. We're going to leave it at that. Um, I can't really think of any other villains. Um, uh, wait, 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 wait. John Tower. We can do John Tower. All right. What's his supervillain name? John Tower. Oh, that's it? 
he leads the traffic men. Honestly, better than what we've had before. Go on. So, John Tower's whole story is the fact that he was a superhero. He's a beloved superhero. <clears throat> He's a blonde-haired, blue-eyed white man. And he, after losing his former glory, he becomes a supervillain. And okay. he tries to use the Bang Babies, which are the new people with superhero powers, and he tries to use them for his villainous agenda. Okay, so basically it sounds like it's a commentary based on previous events in American history. That sounds fine. Yes, we will... Do, we'll, that that, that we'll, sounds much better. I think John Tower will be a better villain for Static Shock. We will go with John Tower. Because based on what you described, yeah, that sounds like, like a good like representation of like it could be a good commentary on pa the past racism in the country. That's that sounds fine. Yeah. So um we will go with John we will go with John Tower. We will forget all of <laughs> Moving on to the Green Lantern film. We have the Green Lantern film and show being produced by comic author Jeff Johns. Oh, so it's an actual comics writer. Yeah, well, Jeff Johns has been a part of the DCEU for a while. Okay. He was one of the people that Ray Fisher named in his accusations. Oh. Wow. Talk about not able to leave the subject that we were on. We but he, <laughs> So the thing is, though... Is I, that actually, I've never like dug too deep into the accusations all too deep. It wasn't necessarily Jeff Johns, the main guy that was doing it. He was just kind of considered complicit. But I do think, despite that, <clears throat> Jeff Johns is the perfect person to do it because Jeff Johns literally wrote some of the best Green Lantern stories. Okay. Of course, he's the author of Blackest Night, of Brightest Day, and Darkest... Blackest Night. It's Blackest Night. Yeah, it's Blackest Night. Yeah, he wrote Brightest Day and Blackest Night. I believe he also wrote the Sinestro Corps War. He wrote an extensive run on the Green Lantern Corps. He's pretty much the Green Lantern guy. So, I think he'll be able to handle a show and a TV show. Um, I, a show and a movie, I just don't know which Green Lanterns he's going to choose, because we got Hal, we got John, we got Guy, we got Kyle, we got Jessica, we got Simon, we have Joe, we have Team Lantern. Yeah, with the big two, really, you got to think about how, like, they have to prioritize Hal and John. They have to, pretty much. They they have to because you know, it's how is is how Jordan and Guy and uh, John Stewart. Come on, John Stewart especially. Yeah. A lot of people love John Stewart. I love John Stewart. I mean, hell, he's the main one they chose for the Justice League Unlimited comic. Cartoon. Or cartoon. Cartoon, yeah, because yeah, he's fucking god. He's amazing. So I I have faith. Um, as a as for villains, um, they they could they could Sinestro. they could do the other Lantern Corps. They could do Sinestro. They could do Atrocitus. They could do Larflees. Or they might hold on to Sinestro and keep him as a Green Lantern first. Yeah, they may do that. Um, there's also Carol Ferris, aka Star Star Sapphire. So she's Hal Jordan's love interest slash um, sometimes um, villain because she's also the villainous Star Sapphire and also one of the founders of the Star Sapphire Corps. <clears throat> okay. So there, there's that. There, there's potential with that. 
Um, we have the Amazons. Jeff Johns is working on it with Patty Jenkins. And um, I don't know how this is going to work, to be honest. Because of, uh, well, there are ways you can go about it. You could introduce Donna Troy. You could introduce Cassandra Sandsmark. You could introduce Wonder Woman's secret twin brother, Jason. You didn't know that, did you? I did not, but yeah. it, it doesn't surprise me. So, yeah, they could do that. They could do more with the Greek gods. There's ways you could do that. So that's for the Amazons and for Wonder Woman 3. I kind of don't know where to go. Our Man. This has to be a Justice Society thing. It has to be. Because uh, I cannot see Our Man interacting with the modern-day superheroes. Our Man's whole thing is that he has a, a lot of powers and he's really strong and has like flight and stuff but uh, as the as, as it says he can only use it for one hour that's an interesting gimmick mm-hmm. no it is interesting but he's very much uh, a golden age hero and he's also a legacy hero so we also so we have rex tyler we have rick tyler and we also have matthew tyler mm. so this is a legacy hero so there's that he gets it from a drug called Miraculo. So there's usually stories about potential drug abuse being addicted to Miraculo. And um, yeah, I believe he marries Liberty Bell. Does he not? No, his wife is Wendy Harris. Wendy Harris. No, is it. Is it. Is it Rick that does. Is it Rick? Yeah, it's Rick. Never mind. Okay, yeah, so. So his son marries uh, Jesse Chambers, who is either known as Liberty Bell or Jesse Quick, the daughter of Johnny Quick, who is usually considered the second fastest member of the Justice Society after Jay Garrick, the Flash. So uh, there's a way they could go about it with Our Man. I don't know who they'd pull for a villain, though. I don't know too much about Our Man and his solo outings, so I could not really tell you. But uh, he's a unique character to do. So, yeah. Then we have Constantine by J.J. Abrams. God, that sounds awful. I'm kind of... I don't want it. I don't want it. I kind of don't want it. Because Constantine is an interesting character. He is, but he's, he's very easy to get overhyped and overwanked very quickly. Yeah. And couple that with J.J. Abrams in his dog shit mystery boxes, which most definitely will be carrying over from Justice League Dark, for sure, into Constantine. I don't have much faith. Yeah, also because... Just... Yeah. Yeah, John Constantine is a character that can work, but can also go very wrong very quickly. Because wasn't, wasn't there a movie made for him? Yes. There was a show called The Hellblazer. You know the show Hellblazer? No. Oh. Well, yeah, it was Constantine. Because he's called John Constantine, the Hellblazer. Mm. So there's that. Then there's uh, the Superman movie made by J.J. Abrams, but it also has Tana Coates. This is going to be about Calvin Ellis, a.k.a. President Superman, a.k.a. Black Superman. And I really hope that when this comes out, people don't just look at it as oh look they made superman black sgw diversity no calvin ellis is a fundamentally different person than cal l 
Yeah. I mean, yes, they share the name Cal-El, but, you know, Calvin Ellis. And also, he's a multiverse, like, level uh, character, right? Yeah, he's mainly known for his multiverse. He's usually the leader of Multiversity. He teams up with the Multiverse of Justice Leagues. From his, in his um, universe, the Justice League is a primarily black super team. He's the president of the United States, with uh, Jefferson Pierce being his... Uh, I believe is chief of staff or secretary of state secretary of state and so like it's very interesting his is a lot more politically dominated because of course he's a black man that's the president of the United States but also the greatest superhero that the earth has there's a lot of potential to go there and there's a lot of racial commentary to go there and to be honest I really want him to do well because I really want a black superman that is his own character that isn't just labeled Black Superman to one, become popular in the mainstream, but also to become a character in the Black community that people can look to. Because no one, everyone thinks of a Black superhero, they mainly think of Static Shock or Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yeah. Or they think of Static Shock, they think of Black Panther. I mean, mind you, remember the waves that Black Panther made when it yeah. came out? And like any other Black superhero you can think of, like, it's really Blade. Besides yeah. that, it's really just Blade. Or John Stewart. Or John Stewart. Or John Stewart on occasion. But I that's, really yeah, want really I it. really want the Superman movie to do well. Like I really Yeah, because this only... is the one DCEU movie that if they really fuck up, I will never forgive them for Because that. remember, only recently <laughs> did Sam Wilson get any recognition for that. Yeah. Sam Wilson becoming Captain America in the comics had been a thing for about six or seven years before it finally happened in the MCU. Yeah. And outside of that, like, obviously we had the other black Captain Americas like Isaiah Bradley and all, like, uh, like Isaiah Black, fuck, Isaiah Bradley, and then, of course, his descendants, Josiah X and Elijah. But, but they don't have as much recognition, especially because, like I said, the, the fact that Sam Wilson's Captain America is only now getting like recognition in the public eye. Yeah. So I really hope this Black Superman movie works with Calvin Ellis. And then, of course, there's Zatanna, which... I don't know where they're going to go with it. I really don't know. I have a feeling it's going to tie in with Constantine and that they're going to make them lovers, which I'm they, going to hate. Yeah, it's kind of a mainstay for their characters, so... I hate it, especially because it's really weird, because when Zatanna was originally introduced, she was introduced to be the same age as Dick Grayson, then they aged her up so she's more of a Batman love interest, and then she... I just don't like the John Constantine-Zatanna relationship, because I kind of just don't like John Constantine. Oh. So. <clears throat> and also, I have a feeling they're not going to pay attention to Zatara at all in the Zatanna movie. Yeah. I have a feeling they're just going to completely ignore Zatara. Which is one of the reasons why I really like Young Justice, because they focused on a lot of different characters. They made character development really interesting. Like, Zatanna in Young Justice is a really interesting character, in part because we get to know her father, and thus we get to know her relationship dynamic with him, and how being raised by him, and him being a superhero, influenced her, and how she as a character and as a person interacts. So yeah. And then, uh, last but not least, we have uh, Neil Gaiman's Sandman, which got a bunch of the uh, right-wing shitheads all uh, 
up in a tizzy because uh, the Sandman is going to be played by a black woman instead of a white man. Here we go again. <laughs> and so, oh my god, I remember it was on r slash Kotaku in action. People were like, Neil Gaiman's rolling in his fucking grave at this revelation. And then you want, and Neil Gaiman was like, I made this decision. I want Sandman to be a black woman. I think it'd be cool. I like that idea. <laughs> so, which is really funny because it was like, yeah, one, Neil Gaiman's not dead. And two, Neil Gaiman is not a fucking racist like you pieces of shit. And so Sandman, I do not know how they're going to do it. It's going to be animated, which is going to be interesting. Huh. I don't know how it's going to work. Sandman is considered one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. I have no idea how this adaptation is going to work. So I'll be interested in seeing how they're going to advertise it at Comic-Con if they do. I hope they do, because I really am interested in that. Yeah. If if the comic has that level of um, of recognition and like reputation behind it, they kind of have to put a lot into it. They really do. It is considered one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Because you because you can't like Harley Quinn's like animation style is kind of like a standard for a lot of DC. Yeah. Because. You look at it in comparison to, like, the DC uh, AU and then Harley Quinn. The, 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 those animation styles are very different, but they're or very, not different, I'm sorry, very similar. But they differ a little bit. But, but the, they, they've, got a, they've got a similar stylization, but they're not, like, above average. Like this, like, I, the Sandman visuals need to be fucking immaculate. Like, yeah. it needs to be better than everything. It needs to be better then Invincible needs to be well, better well, you, than... you, you can't really compare it to Invincible, because Invincible like, has some of the lowest animation quality of... Like, the show is amazing. Yeah. It just... The animation yeah. quality is... Yeah. There's it, a lot to be What desired. I'm saying is that it needs to be better than what's currently on the market. Yeah. It needs to be fucking good. It needs to be gorgeous. Yeah. It needs to be, like, on the level of, like, some of the fight scenes and what if. No. 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 Fuck that. This shit, do you want to know how important... This shit is as important as to how JoJo's art style is to it. It's that important. It oh. needs to be fucking flawless. Yeah. I was just thinking to some of the fight scenes and what if, because some of the artistic directions and some of them are actually really good. Yeah, no, no, no. They need to be good. And it's not a knock on what if. I'm just saying it needs to be more than that. Because that's how good Sandman is treated. Like, I am not exaggerating when I tell you Sandman by Neil Gaiman is considered one of the greatest graphic novels of all time. Like, there are rare few that are considered better. So, they need to do well. That's all I gotta say. They really need to do well with Sandman, and I kind of want to see what they're gonna do with it. Neil Gaiman's behind it, so, I mean... If they've got the original author behind it, then... Yeah. Kudos to them. They honestly, I like that direction. I mean, so what, where that differs from the MCU is like, mm -hmm. oh, it gives like big name directors a chance to direct their own superhero movie. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, this is what it looks like. Oh my god, that is what Sandman looks like. It's fucking beautiful. That needs to be animated. Oh my god, it's gorgeous. It needs to look 
immaculate. Wow. Like. Yeah, no, that is that is crazy good. Exactly. That's why I'm. That's why I'm stressing so hard how good it needs to look. Like that's why I'm stressing how good it needs to look. Where can I find this? I need to find that. Yeah, like, it, it needs to look good. Because, it's, it's 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 phenomenal. It's 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 beautiful. It really is beautiful. Yeah. No, I. I completely agree with the need to animate that rather than make it live action. Oh my god. Yeah, it needs to be beautiful. And so I really am interested to see if they show uh, Sandman at Comic-Con. Um, I'm really interested to see the style that they're going with. And I have very high expectations for visuals for this project, as you can see. Yes. I have extremely high expectations for it, so I really hope it's good. Especially now that Discovery is like taking the front wheel on it. Yeah, if they if they succeed in making DC its own content vertical, like Marvel Studios and like Lucasfilm, DC could, in my opinion, DC always has the potential to be the best of them all. But they've been fucking floundering hard. Huh. It's gonna take a lot to swing them back. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. We've rambled enough about Comic-Con, but then again, Comic-Con is the big nerd event. I mean, to be honest with you, we're most likely also going to get an English trailer of Dragon Ball Super Superhero at Comic-Con as well. That is true. We're probably going to get an English trailer, so we may talk about that next week as well. Yeah, because at this point, it's coming out in middle of August. So. Yeah, it comes out in less than a month for us, so I'm really excited to see Superhero after all the leaks came out. Yeah. So we have that. Um, in terms of other things that could come from Comic Con, of things that we would be interested in talking about on the podcast, I can't really think of it. Nintendo really doesn't give a fuck about Comic Con all that much. No. So I can't imagine anything coming from Nintendo. Anime wise, I don't think we're going to hear anything about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure at Comic Con. Nah, that's not really the only thing that will come out is Dragon Ball. Dragon Ball seems to be the only thing that will come out at Comic Con. Um. I don't know of any other animated shows or live-action shows that would interest us that could be announced. Like, I know Walking Dead is going to have some shit at Comic-Con, but you're not into Walking Dead, and I'm only casually into it, so I wouldn't really think about it. We may hear some stuff about Invincible, potentially. That is true. Depending on if they're going to have an Invincible panel or shit like that, because we may hear some stuff about Invincible 2, potentially. Because Season 2 has been greenlit, and... What I'm hoping is they up the animation quality because, like I said, the anime animation quality was not that great despite it being a, a pretty fantastic show. Yeah. Uh, I highly doubt we're going to see anything about The Boys considering Season 3 just ended. Mind you, we didn't talk about The Boys, but it is a good show. I just... I It's too much. It's too much moral degeneracy. <laughs> well, not degeneracy. Moral bankruptcy, I would say. It's too morally bankrupt for me at times. Yeah, I get that. So, I can't really go for it. But it's good, but I highly doubt we're going to see anything about The Boys, Season 4. So, with that, I believe we've covered everything of interest to us and this show for a Comic-Con. Expect this Expect this, the segment on Comic-Con next week to be about as long as the... the uh, Discussion that we had today. Yeah. It's, Comic-Con's a pretty big event. Yeah. It's pretty much the E3 of nerd shit that isn't video games. 
Yeah. Even though E3 is dead. Yeah. <laughs> Rest in peace. Anyways. Let's move on to politics. All right. And we have two topics to talk about. First topic, I want to jump right in with a Sri Lankan uprising that has been going on. If you did not know, Sri Lanka has been going through a massive economic crisis. They, for lack of a better term, the country is flat broke. They have yeah. no money, and they are in massive debt. Yeah, so pretty, pretty much all of that escalated to a point where now citizens have gathered together and have entered the, the pretty much the Capitol building, correct? No, not just the Capitol building. They took over the president's personal home. The president... Um, We're not even going to attempt it. We're not going to attempt I'm not good at pronouncing the Sri Lankan names. It, I'm just not really good at them, so I'm very sorry. But the president, ex-president, he... He fled to Singapore and then resigned. And then the prime minister took over and then is also going to be... Uh, resigning. resigning so well. it's now going to be... You know how the Conservative Party in the UK is in a free-for-all to whoever's going to succeed Boris Johnson? It's happening here too? It's happening in Sri Lanka, but there is far more at stake. Far more lives are at stake here. Because whoever takes over essentially has to bring up the country from the ground up because there is nothing. Like, literally, whoever takes control of, Sri of the Sri Lankan government is rebuilding the country from scratch. Like, the government, for lack of a better term, is collapsing in on itself due to the complete just economic devastation they're fleeing. Like, the IMF is banging on their doors, like, where the fuck is our money? Like, where's our money, Sri Lanka? And Sri Lanka does not, have not, does not have the money. To put in context, Sri Lanka only has $25 million in foreign reserves. That is not good for any country. That is less than most American businesses can make in, like, a quarter. That's very bad. It's not good at all. And the people there are suffering. There is a distinct lack of petroleum and gas in the country, so people can't even do their cars. But more importantly, there is a massive food shortage. People are starving and dying. Yeah. It's not good. The country is in a complete upheaval right now. And, and, and what's unfortunate is that some of their officials are forced to say... Just don't get sick, which is, you know, cold and heartless, but at the same time, what else can they tell them? They have nothing. Like, the imports are so expensive due to how much debt they're in to the world. On top of that, not just... On top of the imports, there was one other thing I was going to bring up. They're, um... It's... The imports are down. There's no food. There's no gas. The government's collapsing. There was one other thing I was going to bring up, but the country is not doing well yeah. in the slightest. Because the people are suffering. People are struggling to get three meals a day at this yeah. point. Um, people are trying to leave the country to find work in other countries to send money home. Oh yeah, the other thing, the currency. The Sri Lankan currency is dropping in value very quickly, which will only make their debt that much harder to repay and uh, this is in my opinion this is one a massive problem of when capitalism 
goes wrong when the rich get richer and continue to get richer and then do nothing for the poor you get this you get millions of people starving you get families being completely torn apart death and destruction and mass and what do you have their leaders fucking run they ran the ruling party the, the, the fucking family that used to be mind you the president and his family was considered revered in Sri Lanka only a couple years ago because of their policies and reforms that they brought to the country. But look how the turns have tabled. Fuck! Look how the tables have turned! You could have done that purposefully and that would have been very funny. You could have gotten away with that. I was not trying to be funny because this is serious. Look at how the tables have turned. He is now a massive villain, rightfully so, considering what he's done to the country. Yeah. The country is in complete disarray. And there's actually a really good Vice video that came out before they stormed the presidential home that showed that the military is using water cannons and they're blasting the people, which if you don't know, water cannons are extremely painful and dangerous due to the fact that they tear your skin off with how much pressurized water gets shot at you. It is horrifying. They're throwing tear gas at you, to which the protesters are rightfully screaming, how can you have money for all this American and foreign tear gas, but you don't have money for our fuel and for our food? Yeah. Because the fucking, they're throwing tear gas at people to disperse the crowds and the riots and such. But, I mean, they're right. Why do you have so much money for all of this riot control, but you don't have money for the people? Yeah, and I guarantee you, they're... Probably total allotment for everything they use probably goes well over a million dollars. For sure, which I mean... Which they do not have, like we said. They don't have. Like, they are very broke right now. This is a country that is collapsing and it's coming apart at the seams. And all I can say right now is that I don't really know what we as Westerners can do to support, given the circumstances. Yeah, because... The IMF is holding foreign aid because they want the country to stabilize, which on some level I do understand. You can't just throw money at an issue like this. This is an issue that goes far beyond throwing money at it. Because with at least Ukraine, like America has been able to help them get weapons, get um, every like stuff that they need without like interfering with Russia too much. Whereas here. This is we, we can't do much. You can't throw money at this situation. This is something that goes beyond money. This is a whole entire this is an entire country falling apart. Like money ain't going to do shit for that. Like you have government officials fleeing the country. You had corruption in mass. Like there were so many things in my opinion what the world should be doing is as much humanitarian aid as we can. And so, in my opinion, that should be sending in food, medical supplies, and if possible, without causing too much of an uproar, oil. Yeah. Food, medical supplies, and oil should be being sent to this country in mass by the rest of the world. Because I feel that would actually have more of a tangible and real effect in helping people than just throwing money at them. Yeah. What also needs to happen is we need some type of group of non-militarized force, some non-militarized group to come in and help the nation stabilize. I do not want any form of foreign 
any type of weaponry going one inch into that country. But we do need some type of foreign assistance to help the country stabilize itself. We need something. I don't want, what I do not want, is a peacekeeping task force being sent in to prop up the highest bidder within the government. I want the people to be able to get food, water, shelter, medical supplies, and oil so they can be able to live a normal life and the peacekeeping whatever to help the people be able to create a new government, whether it's to help facilitate new elections, whether it's to facilitate political rallies of different groups so that they can do so because the worst case scenario is a civil war. That is the worst case scenario that this country is looking at is a potential civil war. Because right now, it doesn't seem like that's looking like it's going to happen. From what I've read and heard, civil war doesn't look like to be on the table. But the material conditions are definitely ones that can lead to a civil war very easily. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we really do need humanitarian aid to be given to the country. Badly. Like, Sri Lanka needs it. The Sri Lankans need food, water, medical supplies, and oil, if possible. Please, I really hope the rest of the world can do it. Like, I really hate, because I was reading the article by the Associated Press, and I really hate that the only type of international response that I've heard is talking about money. Sending funds. Sending money. Money can't solve this shit. Because... Who are you going to give the money to? There's no fucking president. There's about to be no prime minister. The government's about to fall apart. Who do you give the fucking money to? Money ain't going to do shit right now. These people need food. Yeah, that... Yeah, it's a shame. All we can do personally is just wish them the best of luck. I know. It's really unfortunate, but also makes me very thankful for the fact that I live in this country, in America. And yeah, we complain about gas prices and inflation. I don't. I don't because I know the reasons they're happening. Oh yeah, no, but you know, like, you know when I say complain, we're just like, yeah, it sucks that we gotta pay it. But, you know, I'm thankful that's all we have to deal with in terms of financial turmoil in this country. That's why I don't complain about them. Yeah, and also I knew it was going to happen anyway because of COVID and then the war. It made sense. But for them, for Sri Lanka, this could have been prevented. They could have been in a much more stable position. But their government failed them. Their heroes, their political heroes, failed them on an institutional level. And now here they are suffering. Mm -hmm. Needlessly at that, I should say. Needless suffering millions people desperate to get passports people desperate to get visas to leave the country there is um i know there's a story in the associated press article that we have linked where one guy he's trying to go to japan because he knows he can find work in japan and that he can send money to japan from japan to sri lanka but he has to abandon his entire family he he has a wife he has children yeah that he has to abandon that is the reality going on right now. Because ultimately what that story entails is that he has to leave them, which means they have no male figure to like 
let's face it, to help them through one of the most difficult times that their family will ever go through. Exactly. And not just that, it's going to be single income. Yeah. It's single income, considering that the job market in Sri Lanka... I mean, I mean if the government's falling apart, well, do you think the job market's looking good? Well, money from a different economy will probably help them out greatly. Oh, obviously greatly, but then you also have to deal with the family stress and strain of the fact that the, the man is going to be in a different time zone. He's yeah. going to be in a different culture where he'll probably be discriminated against for sure because Japan is a highly xenophobic and racist country at that. Not to mention whatever job he finds, he's probably going to be working 14, 16 hours a day. Exactly. Like, I can't imagine him being able to scrape up too much money that he'll be able to, you know, house and feed himself, much less be able to send to his family. And the other thing is that I don't know how much of a guarantee he has of being of the money getting there safely. Yeah. Because, I mean, if everything falls apart, like, I don't know how the banks will work or the internet, you know, this is a very dire situation in Sri Lanka. It For a lot of people, it is the end of their world. Yeah, yeah. For them, it's this... the end of their world. Their way of life, their country, their community, their culture is all on the line with this. Their country is falling apart. And this will cause a massive ref refugee crisis. And let, let's just face reality here. Countries are not going to let them in with open arms, I'm afraid. And the thing is with this refugee crisis is I feel it'll be more localized to the Middle East and Asia, which is already dealing with refugee crisis of their own to begin with. And mind you, while, yeah, America sees these people as just yeah, another country of brown people, that's not how these other countries will look at Sri Lankans. They will look at them like how we look at other races. A lot of countries are not going to look at them favorably. A lot of countries are going to discriminate against them. And it's going to be hell for these people. Yeah. But that is really showing just how destructive corruption and greed and really this is the end state of what capitalism can do to a country yes sri lanka does on the surface identify as socialist but there is no functioning socialist country on this planet it was a state capitalist country all right, I think that wraps up everything there. Let's move on to our last segment. So our last topic is equally as grim and dys dystopic, but let us talk about the unfortunate case of a 10-year-old girl having to cross state lines from, is it from Indiana to Ohio or Ohio to Indiana? I think it was Ohio to Indiana. She had to travel from Ohio to Indiana to get an abortion because she unfortunately was raped by her mother's boyfriend at least on two occasions and she became pregnant yeah. and due to that she had to flee to indiana to get the abortion and then once it became public everything fell apart so, so let's go over the responses the, the timeline began when president biden first mentioned this in one of his speeches when talking about the overturning of roe v wade and that's when the right-wing news sources have become had started to come out saying that oh it was this, fake it was fake because it was only one verifiable source they thought it was fake they thought it was like look at the shit that democrats make up they make up the vile shit that 10 year olds have to get abortions like look at the stuff they fantasize they're evil but then and then 
the um, what was the straw that broke the camel's back on that? The straw that broke the camel's back was, I believe, that. Oh, the 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 suspect got arrested. Yes, the man turned himself in, which then unfortunately turned the discourse from, oh, this oh, this is all made up by Democrats to see, see? this These... is what happens when we let immigrants into the country because unfortunately in this scenario the man that committed this heinous crime i believe was he was undocumented or was he documented i think he was undocumented he is an undocumented in immigrant from i believe salvador el salvador i think it was but i'm not gonna i believe he's from el salvador i'm not gonna and so the right-wing media immediately pivoted to blaming hispanics and blaming immigrants for you know raping children and causing this to happen and to make this even worse the mother of the child blames her 10 year old daughter says she makes this up and that it was her fault and that she was seducing this man which is textbook victim blaming and an unfortunately common thing there where parents will say that their children deserved the sexual assault and rape that comes from their step parents and that they brought it upon themselves which is a horribly abusive victim blaming misogynistic just overall evil sentiment and the mother is clearly a not well person because i don't think you can be a well person and believe that yeah so her mother's clearly not well and this has been awful the girl has been i believe has she been doxxed or it's attempted doxings um i haven't heard much about what's been happening with her i know i know what's been going on with the doctor that gave the abortion yes the doctor most assuredly has been doxxed and has been dealing with a ton of harassment in fact not just the doctor but even people in ohio when they were receiving backlash for the fact that they had that the girl had to do that they started lying about the laws they had on the books about abortion because after roe v wade was overturned by the supreme court a bunch of trigger laws went into effect across the country ohio being one of the states that had said trigger laws basically wholesale banning abortion in almost every circumstances except for the health of the mother but i believe in ohio rape or incest was not covered right which is why the girl had to flee to indiana to be able to get the abortion Mm -hmm. and it's just been horrible the doctor is now threatening to sue no they are, they've already taken the first steps oh sue. they've already started suing yeah they're going to sue i believe it's the ohio it's the ohio ag yes the ohio ag for slander yeah for slander because they have been saying heinous things about the doctor even though the doctor did everything correct the doctor not only performed the abortion but also went through the necessary channels to inform all those that legally need to be informed when a minor in indiana is given an abortion yeah and mind you they made sure to dot their i's and cross their t's because uh let's face it abortions becoming illegal across like half of the country you gotta make sure that you stay He's got to stay in line with what conservatives want want to to control you for, and 
She did her best, and she's still getting smack for it. Yeah, it's not good at all. It really shows just how evil the overturning of Roe v. Wade is. The amount of suffering that it's caused. No, obviously a 10-year-old should not be raped, and a 10-year-old should not be pregnant. But worse still, a 10-year-old should not be subjected to the vitriol and abuse that the right has put her through. Did you know about all of those pro-life people saying that this 10-year-old girl should have brought the the, the, the baby, baby to term? But yeah. did you hear how they described her? They called her a woman. Oh. They said this young woman should have brought the child to term because she could create new life and could be a parent. She's fucking 10! Also, that child is going to be hated so goddamn much. You think that child is going to grow up to have a healthy life? No. Not, not just not just economically, but emotionally. Yeah, God. like because also the the girl is presumably Hispanic as well. Let's be honest. Hispanic teen mothers would not have been treated well. They are not treated well in this country. They are considered a stereotype. They are considered typical, and they are treated with extreme prejudice. And so. Yeah, especially at 10, the amount of assumptions that this girl would have had to face would have been insurmountable. And she's still getting harassed for it. She's still being called... The, the idea that they call her a woman is despicable and disgusting to me. That is not a woman. That is a fucking child. This is someone that has barely gone through the steps of puberty. The... This is someone that has barely left elementary school, and you are calling this a woman? That's... No! I will say, I will say, that's just conservative posting their own L's. If they see 10-year-olds as women, that's on them. It's on them, but it's disgusting how they yeah. frame it when they talk about their pro-life rhetoric. Calling her a young woman to potentially take upon the responsibility of raising a child. Do you want to know how old she'll be? When her child turns 18? Yeah, she'll be 28. That's fucking insane! That's when people should start having kids. That's fucking insane! Why on earth would you ever subject a child to that? Much less the fact that a child at 10 should not be giving birth because you know she could fucking die because she's fucking 10! <sighs> this has been absolutely horrible. But which, this has caused a obviously another wave of protest around the country about the overturning of Roe v. Wade. It has gotten Congress to start scrambling to try and start, you know, codifying things into law, realizing, oh, fuck, we really fucked up in not defending these things when we had the chance. Now we got to scramble and do this shit. Yep. And then you got many people protesting. Obviously, you may have seen... Um, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as well as uh, many other members of the squad, such and, as... Um, and many others, like not just Ilhan Omar and Rashida Tlaib and all of them, but several more actually were were behind them, and then, unfortunately, they got escorted out and arrested from uh, the protests. Yes, and while some of you may meme about, oh yeah, Ocasio-Cortez, she had her fucking hands behind her back, like she, she was, was arrested. She was still uh, arrested and escorted. She was still being escorted, and let's be honest here, if you were being held by a cop, they would tell you to put your hands behind your back. Every last one of them would have. She's not pretending. She's not LARPing. Let's just face... That's just, just the reality of the situation. Let's just face the fact here that 
they just gave her a courtesy just because of her position. Exactly. Can but you imagine the... if she was a regular citizen and not the beloved center, the beloved representative? Her face would be on the fucking pavement. Yeah. Yeah, and so it makes me kind of upset when people don't take the situation that happened as seriously as it did. Yeah, this entire situation has been absolutely infuriating and disgusting from all angles. It's disgusting that the people that people tried to downplay it. It's disgusting that people then used it as a pivot to just view racist and xenophobic vitriol. It's disgusting that these people are trying to make this ten year old seem older than she is. It's disgusting that they're trying to fort that they tried to guilt her into trying to keep the child. It's disgusting that they're going after the doctor. It's disgusting all around. It is evil. Which goes on to what I have said in several episodes. Conservative pundits and politicians are ontologically evil. They are categorically evil. They are literal fucking demons. They do not have what's best for you at heart. They want you to suffer and die. Did you hear about the uh, other relevant story that came out over the past week? Which one? The one where the woman in uh, Texas, I think it was Texas... Where she had to hold on to her dead fetus for two weeks before she could get an abortion for it. Jesus fucking Christ. That's the world that they want you to live in. That's the trauma they want you to endure for their pro-life stance. So, and here's the thing, is that, no, it's gotta stay in there. Because, you, you know, it, it, it's for the life of the newborn child. The fetus is dead. That it's not viable for life anymore. And you know what happens when it stays in your womb? It gets into your blood. It circulates through your body as it decays inside of you. That's fucking horrifying. That is no amount of horror in any media that I have ever seen will ever match what you just told me. Much less what that woman must have experienced. That is probably a horror so unfathomably terrible that I cannot imagine what it is to experience something like that. Yeah. That is the untold level of trauma that that woman must have gone through. This is what the this is the world they want you to live in. But I do I do want to end end today, tonight on a positive. So I want to go back to um, everything that uh, representatives in um, in the House have been doing. Okay. So, of course, like we said, AOC and many others of the um, Democratic Party, including this squad being arrested, they need to be doing stuff like this more. They need to be out protesting and putting their reputations at stake. No, it's not just them. We need bigger people. No, I want more. I like, want more people. Like, we, need the whole, we need the whole party coming together and rallying over Not stuff just like the party. This. I don't want to see Democrats coming together and, and singing, singing on the fucking steps of the Capitol like fucking TOS, 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 TOS. Yeah, no, that, that story I'm sure infuriated everybody because it, it, let's just face it, that could have started a whole hashtag vote them out thing immediately. And also, so remember when the union strikes were happening? Yeah. Did you hear what Biden's labor secretary did? Oh, I feel like it's on the tip of my tongue. I feel like I know what you're talking about. Biden's labor secretary went out and met with the strikers and union members and supported them vocally. 
Like, I believe some of the labor secretary people came down and marched with them. We need that, but more. We need the entire House on the Democratic we need the Party. No, no, not just the House. We, I need Biden's cabinet members to be doing this shit. These are cabinet members. You people are political actors as well. Trump's political actors were advocating. Biden, your cabinet members should be should be out there being activists. They should be also preaching this shit. They should be screaming from the fucking rooftops about this shit as well. I'm sorry, but like the fact that people are making fun of AOC for going out there, honestly, yeah, like I don't care if I get called a lib stand because of this. I'm sorry, the fact that she did that, I'm. I want more of it. I mean, the fact... She, 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 she got arrested for it. I mean, the fact of the matter is that you're sitting there calling her a LARPer, but you're not doing anything. She's at least doing something. She's at least trying to do things outside of her job. She doesn't need to do that as a, as a representative, but she chooses to do so. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm not, I'm not willing to... Uh to say anything like that when they are our strongest allies in in systems of power right now. I'm sorry. Exactly. This has just been but we do we do have prob this probably will not go anywhere, but we do already have a bill that passed in the house that has or that will be codifying gay and interracial marriage, which unfortunately will not go through the Senate. Let's be honest here, guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, I heard for this particular thing that uh, Republicans in the House were allowed to were allowed to break with party lines for this vote, which I I mean, I guess that's nice that you people were allowed to break party lines to support the bare minimum of human decency and respect. And thankfully the, the things like this are getting public attention like people in the communities that I'm in, which are which have a very heavy LGBTQ uh, uh, community inside of it. People were po posting about, oh yeah, these are representatives in our state. Yeah, go after them. These are the guys that uh, didn't vote for gay rights. Yeah, as they should. Every if you didn't, if you're a politician and you didn't support these rights, and you are an advocate for taking away these rights, oh my god, I really don't want to get deplatformed. I really don't. It's okay. We're saying enough positive things. We can focus on that. Yeah, yeah. Just focus. Just primary season's coming. I know our primary is coming up soon. It's in August. Vote. 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 Vote, people. This is why we tell you about these things. Because you need to go out and do something. Vote. Don't just vote in national elections. Vote in every election. From the fucking dog catcher to the fucking president. You vote for all of them. And I'm sorry, but if you have the polit political awareness that we do... You have and no which excuse. You should, this is not just a right. This is a requirement. This is a requirement. If you have the capability of voting and you don't, you are just as complicit with all the horrible things that happen. Because to stand silent is to stay with the oppressor. To stand silent is to stand with the oppressors. To me, I mean, literally, it's like all those bullying stuff that you got as a child where they said the person that watches the bullying happen and says nothing is just as bad as the bully themselves it's the same shit because it extrapolates to much bigger things all those people that did not support the civil rights movement were just as bad as the ones actively opposing it it's the same thing now vote Vote, vote, vote. Get out there and support the candidates that will protect our rights. The ones that will not allow 
women to have fetuses die in their bodies and forced to carry it. One where we don't victim blame 10 year old rape victims and try to guilt trip them into giving birth to a child that they couldn't hope to even take care of because they're fucking 10. Vote so we can have politicians that are willing to get arrested to protect our rights. Vote to have politicians that actually want to go out and do something. That's what we need you people to do. That's what we all need to do. And with 2022 coming up with the midterms, I can... We need all that we can get. We have, honestly, we have the fuel to win now. We have the fuel to win, but we need the people to do it. Yes, because the Democrats are not your number one pick. Yes, they're not your friends. And yes, they are frustrating. But they are the ones that are not trying to take your rights away. Yeah. So please, for the love of God, get out and vote. Because, let's face it, I don't think Republicans think this is going the way they think it's going. Because they are making lives worse for a lot of people. And they continue down this road, people will be angry. And so we need to make sure that they're aware of it. And if you're angry now, stay angry. Stay angry and just keep fighting. Because the only way this will end, the only way we will get what we want, where our rights are preserved, and we're able to actually have a truly free and fair republic, is if we keep fighting. We cannot give up. Because if you give up, then you have resigned yourself to losing it all. And I don't know about you, but I most certainly am not doing that. Yes. Well, I think that just about wraps up everything we had to say. I think today was a pretty good uh, episode all around. Exactly three hours since we started. One of our longest episodes we've had. And next week will be just as long because not only are we talking about Comic-Con, we're talking about January 6th. And uh, let's face it. The uh, the things that have been coming out of that are have been getting spicier and spicier. So we will be talking about that. So if you like this long episode, tune in next week because we got another one coming for you. Sorry. I'm your host, Shiny. I'm, I'm your host, Sovereign. And uh, yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Good night, everybody. <laughs>